0: Welcome, everyone, to November 23rd, 1989 in the Legacy Series. It is the Rosemont Horizon Chicago, Illinois WWF Survivor Series. I think, if nothing else, what stands true about Survivor Series, about the Royal Rumble in this era, is something that we've touched on before, which is they can trot out one of the greatest rosters of all time. I don't think we've ceased from that. If anything, we might have a better past, present, future lineup than we've ever had before. So we are still in this conversation about when does WWF dip? How much has it dipped? What causes it to dip? But my friend, I cannot in good integrity say it is a lack of talent on the roster. We can get into it again. You're going to hear some familiar things from me. Because honest to God, I think the only difference is one or two bad choices. And I think it all comes down to booking. It does not come down to talent, which might be anti uh, the narrative that we often get with WWF. That if something fails, it has to be the talent. Because by God, that booking is just so good. It's WWF. It's the top. It's Premier We're going to get into all of it. I'm not even going to lay a foundation. I just want to tell you, we are two episodes away from finishing the 1980s. We are two episodes away from entering my favorite decade in my life, in being alive, in being a wrestling fan, in all those things, the 1990s are at the door. And in just two weeks, folks, we're going to do a best of, award show where we are going to um, look back at this entire era that we've covered so far. And we will be reaching out to some of our most vocal listeners, the ones who continually feedback. We will give you the opportunity to vote on the categories as well. And in two weeks, we will bring you the best of WWF in the 1980s. We will break it down. We will visit it all but right now. We are going to finish what we started. We're going to finish this decade. We are going to bring you into the next two episodes with this one, the Survivor Series. So much talent, so much to discuss. Ladies and gentlemen, the hype is back. Grab your shovels because the unearthing continues. I am the mystic and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, Mr. Mizfan, the brain.
1: Greetings, Fan fans. Welcome indeed to the third ever Survivor Series. It is 1989. We've seen the first two iterations of this show. Now we are at the third. We're into the uh, period of four versus four instead of five versus five. We've got 40 wrestlers across the roster here and I couldn't agree more. The talent on display for the most part is quite incredible. In fact, I would say perhaps there's never been a time where the roster is to blame if WWF or WWE is not doing so well because uh, they tend to attract a lot of talented people and that is absolutely the case in 1989. Things are stacked. There are a few bad choices and we will call those out as we get to them. But man, there's a lot of great stuff as well going on and I'm very excited to talk about it all.
0: Absolutely. Uh, good Good call on the 4-on-4s. four, four, on four as They have switched it up. Where do you fall uh, taste-wise as a fan? Do you prefer the 5-on-5 five five or the 4-on-4 four four for Survivor Series? Ah,
1: the 5-on-5 five five is classic to me. I'll always prefer it. It just uh, feels more right, but there are advantages, I think, to 4-on-4. Four four. You can uh, maybe make your matches a little bit shorter. You can make it flow a little bit differently, so I don't mind it, but 5-on-5 five five is always it for me.
0: I don't mind it either. I just, I find it curious now that you said it, that it seems like every time we're dipping into an era where it's not as good. It's not going to be as legendary. Uh, we're going to be trying out new talent, don't know where we're going. So this era, we're going to go from five on five to four on four. Uh, in a few years, we're going to try to turn our Royal Rumbles into every 90 seconds and every 60 seconds or, you know, whatever we can do. So, you know, you can spot sometimes. Them making changes uh, as if maybe perhaps those changes might do something, but again, it's not it's not in the Survivor Series numbers, it's not in the Royal Rumble time. None of that's the problem. Uh, it's other things, dear WWF.
1: <laughs> Indeed, and I really do stick by that. That uh, I don't think it's ever been a problem with talent, even in the weakest time. You know, maybe they'll pick a couple of talents which aren't the best, which aren't uh, maybe to our taste. But, man, there's always considerable talent, I think, on the WWF or WWE roster. It's all a question of how you use them.
0: Yeah, and and, and I would think if you wanted to have the best product, you would take responsibility, whether it's your fault or not. So, Mm. you know, if you started at the booking is the problem, You could always make it better, even if it's not always the booking. But it is funny to me that it feels like it's never the booking when we're talking about WWF. When we're talking about WCW, it's always the booking. Always start with the booking. It's always because they can't do it. They don't know what they're doing. They can't do this, that, and the other. So, I don't know, man. I think you might be right. That's something to look for. Is it ever the fault of the talent? Because... I'm thinking about the errors that we're going to cover. And I feel like there's always something better that they could have been doing and not even like Monday morning quarterback better, but just in that moment, obviously better.
1: Hmm. I I think uh, there's a lot to be said for that because a, either you have the right talent and you're just not using them that well, or you aren't using the right talent. And that's also a booking choice because you booked the talent in that position to not be used to their best advantage. So I don't know, some people like to blame wrestlers, they like to blame uh, you know, fans even, and uh, it's not to say that there can't be problems with either of those things, but yeah, to me, it always comes down to the people who are kind of steering the ship, you know, the, these are the people we really got to look at in most of these situations.
0: Or the uh, other, oh, it's just the ebbs and flows of the business.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, just to blame uh, the capriciousness of time, <laughs> That's that's a fun one as well.
0: Because I was thinking, as as we hit record today, it just came to my mind. If Ultimate Warrior was going to be the guy, could you could you possibly either build his character a little bit over the last three years, or build his relationship to the fans, or build what he stands for? You know, I get that he's like a a, a straight line up in his intensity and music and fan reaction, but they have done zero 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 to, t- to tell a story about who this person is what they stand for and what they're going to be about if they were to be the heavyweight champion
1: mm-hmm. yeah uh, i feel for them to some extent because if you got a guy who's as popular as the ultimate warrior and there's just so little there's only one thing you can do with this guy like he can only do one thing he has no flexibility for that then I don't know, like, I guess probably the better thing would be, like, don't use him to try to replace your main event guy if you know he can only do one thing, Mm -hmm. but as we've talked about, they really wanted to figure out some way to replace Hulk Hogan, it reminds me of a story I heard, um, kind of uh, the backstage stuff at Jakaro, where they had some new wrestler who was very popular with the fans, everybody liked him on screen, and off screen he was like... You know, he like crashed a truck into their training studio and he just like messed up all the time. It's like, what do you do when the on screen and the fan reaction uh, does not match at all like the things off screen and like the realities of the person? It is difficult. So I have some sympathy there.
0: It's also a company, though, that half the time they won't care what the fan reaction is.
1: Well, I feel like that comes later more, but yeah, I mean, we're seeing a little of that now because Zeus, you know, like nobody is that excited about Zeus, but um, I don't know. They're drunk on power right now. They've succeeded at everything for the last five years, so they think they can do anything.
0: I'm about to have, all right, here, here's a hot take that I'm going to preface so that people will be okay. <laughs> I understand that in the longevity Of things, The Ultimate Warrior is going to do some things that will be successful with the WWF. He's going to wrestle Hulk Hogan uh, in a match that is going to put a lot of asses in a lot of seats. He's going to have his match uh, with Randy Savage. So I'm not talking about career span, but I'm just talking about one night in my life. I'm watching Survivor Series, and there are only two problems in my vision with this company. And I said to myself, We have hammered one of them home, and you and I, I think, disagree a little bit on this. I think Hulk Hogan, at times, has done a really good job in what he's doing, and if it wasn't Zeus on the other side of the ring, and it was someone who actually had a story and could actually work, what he is doing would have gotten over, so in that spot, to me, there is a Zeus problem, but watching the Survivor Series, I asked myself a question, at least for one night, is the ultimate warrior, the Zeus... Of the babyface roster.
1: (laughs) I think somebody in uh, LP forums pointed that out as well, made that comparison. Probably our man, our prof. Uh, My apologies if it was somebody else, but uh, that's a comparison that certainly stuck with me because when you're talking about people who are very limited in what they could do and uh, really the only card they have to play is that they are, um, they look a certain way and they're very intense and if you get past that, there's not a lot going on. There's there's a certain comparison you can draw between Warrior and Zeus.
0: I did not see that, so I need to go back and find that. But that, that's funny to me because I thought for sure I was going to say something that I would definitely be by myself on. So, because uh, Here's how I measured that. And I think when we get Warrior and Andre, the fans will hopefully be into it because why wouldn't they be, you would think. But watching this, and we'll get to it later, in the main event – Andre the Giant is going to be angry Andre the Giant that you see with Hulk Hogan, that you see with Jake Roberts, that you see with the snake, and there's almost zero fan reaction while it's happening. Mm. So what is the difference? Well, it's the ultimate warrior. There's nothing else that I can think of. So I see Hogan and Andre at times still doing things that are peak Hogan and Andre, but yet the heat and the reaction and the felt sense... All of that is gone from around what they're doing, but yet they're still doing what they were doing in the best of angles.
1: Mm. That that is interesting. I didn't. I don't know if I completely picked up on the same thing. I wonder if so. It's because you look at Andre and Andre is always impressive, but I think it is getting clear that he can do less. We know he's been uh, beat by Hogan, and you know he lost the the SummerSlam main event. Um, I think, I can't remember if he lost to Jake at WrestleMania, but he, he definitely didn't come out um, maybe as strong. He, he sold a lot, you know, he showed fear, he, he gave a lot to that feud. So I don't know, maybe fans are recognizing that Andre is uh, in some ways on the decline. Whereas uh, I agree with you, for me, I'm as excited to see Andre as I ever was, but maybe that's not true of the fans at the time. I'm not sure.
0: That's a tough one to think of because I can see that point and I think that needs to be acknowledged. But then a final question that I had in this conversation is something that we talked about a little bit on the show. Let's just say that the American dream, who was the NWA World champion three times, came to the WWF as the American dream, as someone who is the common man, who's worked the jobs, of course, this, that and the other, who who represents these things. But he's actually had one job that he's always wanted to work that is the dream job for the dream. And that is to be the WWF champion. And just so happens that Hulk Hogan needs a tag team partner because he doesn't have one. Bruce Beefcake stepped up. Randy Savage, hell, Sherry, whoever you want, slapped him in the face. He ran away. We never saw him again. Hulk Hogan again doesn't have a partner. If it had been SummerSlam, Hulk Hogan and the American dream, peak Dusty Rhodes even for this time and era, and then we shifted from that to a program where Dusty Rhodes was in a program with Andre the Giant and Bobby the Brain Heenan, and you just let them loose on the mic, you let them loose on the storytelling. Uh, The only thing left between Dusty Rhodes and that dream really is Andre the Giant. Do you think that Andre the Giant is received differently? Do you think that program is received differently if it's Dusty Rhodes' as American Dream versus Bobby Heenan and Andre the Giant, or is, or is Andre too defeated for the fans to care about it?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. I think the fans will react in any way that you tell them to. So, you know, if Andre sort of falls out of the spotlight for a while, then yeah, maybe fans aren't going to think about him, but you put him in a position like that, it's hard for you to imagine that people would not have been extremely excited about that because we saw, like with Jake how over it was. Um, you know, they put the work in, they did a story about it and, you know, it was a very over storyline. So uh, that's credit to your point. I think if they had put the work in for the next storyline, then, uh, you know, we'd be having a different conversation right now. I love that idea, by the way.
0: Yeah. To me that back when we were about trading people in fantasy booking, I wanted, I think Andre the giant in the NWA or dusty in the WWF just to have that program. Mm. And Then you got Bobby Heenan versus Dusty on the mic. You know, you got all of that going on because in a way I get it. If I'm booking and it's my money on the line, I understand in some way. I do understand Warrior and I don't understand Warrior because, you know, why do again Hulk Hogan knew the ultimate warrior could not take uh, the ball. So that's why he laid down at WrestleMania six. That's just fact right there. I think anybody that has a mind for the business. Macho Man knew it wasn't the guy. Ted DiBiase knew it wasn't the guy. So you know that this is not going to happen unless you're so arrogant as Vince McMahon sometimes is. If I anoint this person and I shoot him in the right direction, it'll be whatever I say it is. I think you have to know otherwise. Warrior's not the guy. So If Dusty Rose got the belt, for example, and I'm only saying if it's peak Dusty Rose and if he's received like that. And that might not happen with his body type, his age, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just saying if you did, it would not be a fall off if Dusty Rose isn't champion after a year because this is later in his career. This is his ultimate dream just to get there. Whereas if you got someone like the ultimate warrior who is young and is the future and is the 90s and they're losing the belt by the Royal Rumble, you cannot convince me that this was a successful endeavor.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't looked into kind of the, the, the background of it, but I, I always assumed it was not the plan that he would lose it by the Royal Rumble, that that was sort of an audible that was called because uh, it was not working out the way it was supposed to. So we'll have to investigate that all as we come to it. Um, I think I mentioned before, I think there's also a problem in Ultimate Warrior's reign that uh, he's another guy who will really be given no angles. He will be given kind of nothing to do um, that is compelling. So there, there's some fault as well, again, with the booking and not just the talent, as we've talked about. But for Warrior, I think there's also just a divide between us and him because uh, what we see and what we feel doesn't always reflect... What others do in a, a couple of different places. I've I've been involved in conversations about like greatest intercontinental champion that kind of thing. And Warrior, uh, he always comes up. And there are people who just says, well, he was just very fun to watch at the time. They have extremely positive memories about him. Or they talk about, hey, this push it was actually very effective. You know, uh, look at the way it went to WrestleMania and how successful that was. And uh, you know, so uh, there, there's a lot of factors going on, and it bears discussion for sure.
0: I am not against anyone having their personal opinion, like have it and be proud of it. But I will I, the of the of the objective argument that he is in any conversation about greatest IC champions to me, I would you know you need to do a, a dissertation on that before I will even entertain <laughs> it because the IC title is very rich and his title reigns are uh, a flash here and there of something. I don't know what you're measuring off of. I would need to know your criteria for that one.
1: For sure. I mean, certainly uh, the strongest push, if you want to just measure oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah but uh, that's not necessarily the thing I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, nobody's arguing like that, the, the strength of his push. Uh, <laughs> it's just these things, though, that we're going to get because we're going to get this with Diesel, too, where it's just Vince McMahon likes something about Diesel, so Diesel is the guy, and then a year later, <laughs> oh, well, that didn't work out that well, but, you know, who could have seen it coming?
1: <laughs> and it took a year, so...
0: Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know, I'm just, I'm trying to see things, but right now with the credit that we have given him is, he does a military press, one time I talked about how he was very horizontal in, in his shoulder block, uh, you know, and he had some matches with Rick Rude that were better than his usual matches that obviously say Rude, Rude would carry, but I'm not I'm not even against praising the Ultimate Warrior folks, I we pra- we praise what we see, you know, worthy of praising, but sure. I had no idea we were going to get this close to WrestleMania And I would have him damn near zero on my scoreboard for what he has given me in the series so far.
1: Mm, Yeah, I I certainly am with you on a personal level. I get almost nothing out of the Ultimate Warrior. I don't find him entertaining. I don't um, enjoy his shtick. I think there's no, there's nothing to talk about. You made the greatest point you could have when you said we had never even written down anything he said. Because he says nothing, you know, there's no point trying to parse out his words or his motivations or any subtleties about him because none exist. You know, he's a scream through a a bullhorn and that's pretty much it. And there's nothing else going on.
0: I low key thought he was going to steal the show on this pay-per-view because (laughs) this is, he is in the main event. Hulk Hogan is kicked out of the main event at the pay-per-view. He's with the rockers, which to me just lines up so perfectly for him. Mm. But it, it was so underwhelming to me. The promo again. I did not. He said he talked, and I didn't even know what he was saying. Uh, the matchup, we'll get to it, but it was not what I came in thinking it was going to be. And I guess you can feel bad for him because I relate this to Shawn Michaels in 1990, late '95, where it's just like hard push, whether people want it or not, you know. And I was a Shawn Michaels fan. He's my second favorite wrestler. And I was actually cheering for Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12 because I was so fucking tired of the Shawn Michaels push. So in a way, I understand that sometimes the worst you come across is when WWF gives you that hard push, you know, that that early part of it where you're just replacing the guy that we're used to, whether we like it or not. So in some ways, I feel for him. But I saw this pay per view as being Warriors breakout opportunity with the main event, with the Rockers, with the Heenan family. And we'll get to it. And maybe we'll agree. Maybe we'll disagree. But I did not, he didn't come to take the company in my mind or either. He couldn't.
1: Mm-hmm. I think um, it'll be interesting to talk about that match. Cause I'm a really big fan of that match, but it's not really because of the warrior. I mean, almost anyone could have done what he did in that match. So, uh, so yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting conversation for sure.
0: Alright, so we'll, we'll get into it. Uh, this is Survivor Series. We are weirdly doing uh, rapid fire promos uh, as if it's Saturday night's main event, but it's all Thanksgiving Day. What are we thankful for? So uh, Hulk Hogan is thankful that Hulkamania is still the most powerful force in the universe. And I don't know if I'm just reading too much into it, but I'm getting a lot of still the most powerful force in the universe rhetoric from Hulk Hogan when he appears on our shows these days.
1: Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. He's not uh, giving up that spot without a lot of conversation, and you know he never will, really. As we've seen, when someone else is champion, Hulk Hogan is still the champ in his own mind. So, uh, what does that tell you right there?
0: <laughs> absolutely, Ted DiBiase. I am rich, and you're not. Uh, this is a this, this whole rapid fire promo thing is a testimony to us saying that these characters that have one or two things that they just drill down on all the time. Mm-hmm.
1: It also uh, is very, very nice in the fact that uh, every character sort of has their own motivation for being here, besides just, well, I am a wrestler. I want to have good matches and win matches, you know? So that, that's, that's a downfall, I think, of certain times and places. Here, everybody is very colorful. We've talked about before, everyone kind of has their own thing and it's not just that they drilled down on it. They have these motivations. Like, they are interested in something besides just being a wrestler. They, they have some roundedness to their character, even if it's a little bit, uh, you know, we, we don't always like this word, but cartoonish, if you will. Almost in a good way, though.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And that's a credit to WWS booking, which we're flipping the script on right now because, yes. you yeah. know, we call it how we see it. And yeah, you know, these are rounded characters. and. I think about companies I've enjoyed, but how many times can I hear you say that, oh, you want to win matches? Yeah, really great. You know, get in line. Everyone else does too. What else, you know, besides that? Mm
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Just show me, like, of course you want to win matches, you're a wrestler, but give me something else, you know, develop that character a little bit, and I'll be a very happy person.
0: Okay, Jake is uh, thankful for having Damien and the DDT. I like Demolition there. We don't have to fight each other, is their thankful thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, at the Royal Rumble, they did exactly that. They didn't seem uh, unhappy about it. So, you know, take it for what you will.
0: There are too many of these. So do you, is there any that stand out to you or that you want to mention?
1: Oh, uh Earthquake is here, yes. um with Dino Bravo, so that's a sign of things to come. Although he's not really he won't really be Earthquake until he takes that Canadian flag off his uh, singlet. So, <laughs>
0: yeah uh dusty rose is thankful for his polka dots
1: uh that made me sad a little bit um as does beefcake being thankful for cutting and strutting but oh. um yeah i like that piper is just thankful that he has like hate in his heart for rick rude so
0: well he's a baby face you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like that he didn't said he was thankful for his um family you know what? what a nice guy
0: I like that too, but I also recognize after watching the show that Bobby Heenan is the closest thing to Hulk Hogan in the depth of his rhetoric. And so apparently the family is falling apart. They're pushing each other, shoving each other, blaming each other. So it's a, it's a good time to come out and say, I am thankful for all of the family.
1: <laughs> well, maybe he's just trying to, uh, you know, make peace and um, show them. The, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. It's,
0: also, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting scenario because it's also. It'll be Jesse Ventura that breaks the news that he has heard backstage that they're actually shoving each other and these things are happening. So it's a rare thing in WWF where Jesse Ventura is going to out Bobby Heenan in a negative way like that.
1: It's the integrity of Jesse Ventura that we've talked about before. In some ways, the most uh, um, integrous man in the commentary booth who will actually call what he sees – He has his perspective, but he's not going to lie either, like uh, every babyface and most of the heels will.
0: That's a good point. He is with Gorilla Monsoon for Survivor Series 89. He says if Gorilla Monsoon was any bigger, he'd be on the table and he would be served as the Thanksgiving turkey. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon, (laughs) that's the beginning of a lot of things to come, I feel like, in this episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they... um They're they're not as uh, kind to each other as they once were. You know, we talked about how they can share some common ground. That common ground is shrinking, you know, as the years progress and uh, everyone kind of becomes more radical and more extreme in their positions.
0: Absolutely. I was about to say, I think it's a microcosm of WWF then versus now, because, again, they have just as much, if not more talent than ever before. But they're shaving off some of the nuance, they're shaving off some of the narrative, they're shaving off some of the storytelling, and they're giving you a straighter, more singular line to all of these things, you know, and maybe it's easier, maybe it's a lot of other things, but it's the kind of thing, again, I think that hurts you over time. Mm,
1: Yeah. As um, you, you may find this in uh, work as well, if you ever work at a big company, you know, the bigger it is, the more successful it is, the more they will look to control every aspect of what goes on. So, uh, you know, in those early days, while it's growing, there may be a lot of freedom and maybe a little wild west. And then as things progress, well, you know, that's going to become smaller and smaller. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. You know, everything is structured. A lot more strictly and I don't really think it's to the benefit
0: yeah yeah that's a great point too because you got to think you got two ways to go at that point is it better to have people who can give you more but you're frustrated with them all the time because they try to go into business for themselves or do you take a guy who doesn't really care about the business but he has the tools that you can put over he's never going to have an opinion on anything and you just get him to show up and like do what you ask him to do so you know
1: yeah, good question. I'm sure there are benefits to both. Um, you know, I would almost always rather, in my mind, I would like let's let's ride the tiger. You know, let's let's just um, have the people who have the talent and the passion. And you know, if they go a little off the rails, that's fine. We'll ride that train. But I'm sure that's uh, very exhausting, very risky. Um, I think you said before, like if it's your money on the line, you might think differently.
0: Yeah, it's 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 fascinating stuff. So we're gonna get into it, and this is just. There were times, it's just embarrassing to me how much talent, let me say it like that, how much talent is on this show and is in, is, in, is in this company, in this era.
1: Absolutely. I mean, look at this first match. you got Rick Martel, Big Boss Man, Bad News Brown on one side. On the other side, Dusty Rose, Tito Santana. Man, that's like five of the top talents of uh, this whole era. And that's just in one match, in your opening match. And like every match has like five or six, probably at least, people who are super high quality, who could be in like a Hall of Fame, who could just be, uh, you know, incredibly valuable talents to any organization. So it's great stuff. You got to appreciate that.
0: You absolutely do. It it, it is so evident, you know, we're not going to see this again until WCW in the mid-1990s, and then Vince is going to be really sad that a company would, would take talent from another organization in order to build their own. (laughs)
1: Oh yes, one of the most hypocritical talking points of all time, because the WWF, as we know it, is built on talent, just stolen wholesale from other promotions and used without a single thought to changing their name or gimmick or anything about them. They just came in completely ready already. We've talked about before how hard it is to think of a wrestler who came in and was actually improved by receiving a new gimmick. Um, you know, the list is maybe one or two names long and most of these people, you know, um, yeah, a lot of these people were who they were before they came in. And that's uh, to the benefit of the WWF.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you said all that because we have been so gracious to this era because why not? It has been one of the best entertaining things we've ever witnessed uh, as wrestling fans. So, High praise to WWF, but let us never get away from this error without pointing out that they did it by raiding companies, by taking over companies, by hurting a lot of other people, and doing things that when they look at it and the shoes on the other foot in about half a decade, Vince McMahon seems like he almost wants to go into, like, I'm going to check into a place. Uh, I didn't know the world could be this dark. Um, (laughs) Yeah. okay, Okay, Vince. So, it's just a fair thing, and why why don't we get this, and this is another NWA, WCW perspective, but why is it that I feel like when you talk about this era that we're in, all you really get is the genius of Vince McMahon, the power of Hulk Hogan, fair enough to all of that, but when you talk about WCW in the mid-90s, part of that narrative up front has to be they had Ted Turner's money, and they took a bunch of people from WWF.
1: <laughs> it's a great question and uh, I think you only have to look so far as to say uh, the winners right? the history <laughs> books and most of the people who are the WCW fans and defenders probably just tuned out after 2001 so uh, or maybe earlier than that even so between all of that you don't know, get a lot of people kind of sticking up for the counter narrative uh, like you used to
0: absolutely so Miz fans kind of hit it already but we got big boss man we got Bad News Brown, Rick Martel, and the Honky Tonk Man taking on Dusty Rhodes, Brutus The Barber, Beefcake, Tito, and um, Red Rooster. So let's let's get into this opening match at Survivor Series 1989. It's very appropriate to
1: forget that last name for a second. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he's still here. Like leave already go go be a crappy like uh, it's funny when I was watching WCW I kept hoping that like the bad people would go and the good people would come and now it's just the opposite so it's like again it's just which one you're watching I guess so
2: yeah,
0: I'm, yeah. WWF keeps some of these uh, absolute losers on the roster uh, longer than I ever imagined so <laughs> that's another thing I've learned in this series
1: hey Bruce Beefcake have that big Wrestlemania 9 match you know so yeah. here we are <laughs> Um, I do like, I, I can't remember if they did this before, but every team has like a, a captain and a name, like a special name this yes. year. And I do appreciate that. It's a nice little touch. We have here the enforcers against the dream team, which, uh, you know, that's cool.
0: I like that a lot. We're going to get that in some years. It's, it's often really horrible names, but I, I don't care. I still like it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, even when they're campy or corny, you know, I, I still like that. Uh, at least some effort is put in there. Um, I I'm pretty sure Akeem was supposed to be in this match, and so we haven't been that fond of him, so he might be out the door. We get Bad News Brown instead replacing him, which is a step up for us, and a bad move for the team captain, as we will see. Bad News Brown never uh, does well at Survivor Series,
0: yeah, I think we have two people who have walked away, uh, Bad News Brown from his team, I think Honky Tonk Man, when he was the last one on his team, was walked away, if I'm not mistaken. At least Honky Tonk Man waits till the
1: end, Bad News Brown will not, and that yes. is uh, very on brand for his character.
0: I might be misremembering, but I do think we're also, as Dusty Rose powerfully kicks off Survivor Series 89, I think we're exactly one year away from his match with The Undertaker.
1: Yeah, and I believe so. I believe so. So, yeah, yeah, Dusty, he's around for longer than a year, isn't he? Okay, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. Um, I'll say this match, it's not perfect. You know, you've got uh, a few guys in there who I think are duds, but this is probably my second favorite on the card, just because you've got a lot of really talented guys in here, and a lot of them go uh, really to all the way to the end. Um, Brutus Beefcake accepted. He's around at the end, too, but we don't talk about that, so...
0: Yeah, these are interesting matches because a lot of them are not booked in the way like these days I have the time kind of know how the booking's gonna go, whether I'm watching the show or not. Uh. These are booked weird where it's like the heels uh the heels get down and then they have to come back and eliminate a bunch of people throughout the night. There's all this kinda of weird stuff to me that just I was not expecting to see. I'll have to think about favorite matches as we go along because I don't think I've done that yet.
1: Fair enough. I, I will say, I don't think there's any matches on this card that I really disliked, which is a credit to the card. There's definitely some I like more than others. This is one of the upper ones, in my opinion, and uh, I don't think that's the um, consensus, but uh, it's my own feelings, so that, that's fine. Um Helpful to me, you have here uh, Rick Martel and Tito Santana facing off early in the match. They have stuff together. They continually impress me with their chemistry. I will continue to talk about how much I enjoy this feud and how it never got the spotlight that it deserved.
0: Yeah, for us personally, this is going to be a big match and that they will give us time for Rick Martell and Tito, who they have not given enough time for. We've been looking forward to Balsaman and Dusty. We're going to get some time Uh, between those we also get a big ovation when they come into ring together so that's also just something to mention as we go forward
1: yeah yeah i mean they're team captains for a reason so you can never say that wwf never put any focus on dusty rose they put this shoot in the spotlight and clearly yeah people are excited about it and why wouldn't they be i'm excited about it
0: i also said i don't mind the honky-tonk man if he's not getting a push and i don't see much of him
1: (laughs) He's another one. I'm like, you're still here. Like, why? (laughs) Just, uh, you know, I I, I thought, like, when he loses the Intercontinental title, he may as well cease to exist. But he he, he'll be around with, uh, you know, he'll have Greg Valentine dyeing his hair and uh, a lot of weird things. So he's got some time left on the clock.
0: I thought like you've been telling me that for two years, and I've been thinking the next day he'll be he'll be doing that, and it, it just, always it's feels happening. that
1: way. But now he's got to finish with Garvin first. I promise, eventually we're gonna see that. So mm.
0: I don't know if this reference will work for anyone, but there's a referee. I don't know who he is, but he looks like a young Steve Avery. So I'm just gonna leave that there. It's a, it's a Atlanta Braves pitcher from the early '90s. So it's a very weird moment where I was like, ah, oh, WCW the Legacy series uh tbs to superstation braves baseball rain delays That's beautiful. but no it's still wwf i
1: love that well you know it's wf for sure because i definitely i uh saw a shane mcmahon referee running around outside the ring as well sometimes oh, okay. so uh so there's the other side of that coin i suppose
0: the man who will wrestle many top build matches at wrestlemania <laughs> appears on the show huh
1: <laughs> yep, a man who will fall off of many tall objects. So
0: that's
1: <laughs> it. something to look forward to. For it's ah,
0: amazing though to see the, to spot those things. That's a that's a very good reference. We're also gonna get a sapphire reference, so there's gonna be Oh
1: yeah.
0: A lot going on here. I like I like those spots where you see people I think MJF might have been like security and W W F at one time or something yeah, like that. so. It's, it's an amazing thing to see and it reminds you. These people do not get started with their lives the day you see them break out uh, doing something.
1: There's some uh, I've seen the screenshot of it. So I'm seeing where like there's two security guys and it's like in the mid 2000s. It's like Cesaro and EC3 and it's just yeah Yeah. like the funny little connections you can make with that.
0: Yeah, it's a humbling time, you know. You you are this person and it probably feels like you're never gonna be like you're standing next to the person who's doing the thing you want to do. Like that, that is the closest and farthest to our place to be from what you want to be doing.
1: Oh man. It's incredible to me how these people, uh, how patient they can be, mm. how focused they can be in their careers. Cause, uh, I, I, some things I can be focused on well, but some things like if it's difficult, it's hard for me to stick with it. And yes. I, I think I'm not alone in that. So to think okay. about wrestling, like maybe more than a decade, for very little pay you might have to have like another job on top of that you have to beat up your body all the time uh, who knows if you even have insurance like all these barriers that have nothing to do even with like your wrestling talent to stick with it so long and yeah eventually you make the big time like good for you these people are very impressive to me for sure
0: yeah and th- and if you don't make it okay well there went 10 years of your adult life and yeah, you got a fanged up body and nothing else to show for it
1: yeah wow like good luck getting out of bed every day you know physically and mentally after <sighs> all that that's tough that's very tough um, yeah so, yeah it, i always say I think i like i like crazy
0: your, to get into wrestling yeah. so yeah i think the, like we we have our takes on our favorites and our least favorites but again i think we've said it before like respect to everyone who is on the screen and you know we're you know we get to just sit here and make commentary about them <laughs> but you know like, it, no matter who you are, minus the red rooster, is an amazing thing to be on that screen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, Ultimate Warrior made the sacrifice of uh, pumping his body into an unrecognizable shape. And uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, they're all doing something out there.
0: And even, like, okay, putting the face, I've always thought, like, putting the face paint on every single night like, and then having to take it off. I think I would get very tired of just doing that. <laughs>
1: Well, it um it all sweat off tonight, which it rarely does because he's rarely out there long enough to to do that. But um tonight, yeah, it got taken care of for him. So nice.
0: Okay, anything from this matchup? We got you know, uh, I think Tito gets eliminated by Martel in in kind of a roll through or something like that.
1: Yeah, he goes out first, which is a big shame, but it uh, kind of shows where Tito is at this point, which um, it's not the way it should be, but it is the way it is. Um. Yeah, yeah, a lot of nice things. You got Boss Man punching the daylights out of Red Rooster, which I could watch all day long. You got Dusty Rhodes, man. He does a drop kick in this match that looks like he's fired out of a cannon. And man, he may be at the end of his career, but wow, he is friggin' great. I love watching Dusty.
0: It is a beautiful standing drop kick. They have a check mark by it where my eyes are right now. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a standing drop kick to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania six. That would be nice to look at.
1: <laughs> it's hard to shake this idea that we've come up with. So yes, I'll be thinking about that for a long time. Um, Ventura on commentary proving is worth again, talking about like the different strategies you have to use in a match like this, how you want to have like certain people on your team in there when certain people on the other team are up there. And I love little touches like that. And I love when they get implemented into matches. One of the uh, good things about survivor series for
2: sure.
0: Absolutely. It is a lot about strategy And, again, this is a time where, uh, we've said it before, they're not so formulated that it really does feel like they're actively employing all different strategies to see what happens.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely so. Uh, Bad News Brown does walk out on the match, walks out on his partners midway through because uh, he does not play well with others. He does not enjoy being on teams. He's been very clear about this. They keep booking him for Survivor Series. So, you know, I don't know what you expect. At this point, he pretty much told you what would happen. So uh, it's really on you more than
0: on him. I'm not blaming anybody except the others because how you don't know that's coming. I think I got some errors in my notes because it looks like Brutus Beefcake eliminates Honky Tonk Man. Brutus Beefcake eliminates Martel, and I know that can't be right. Uh,
2: Yeah,
1: I'm barfing at the push of (laughs) Brutus Beefcake in this match. I got to get him ready for that match that we will absolutely not be covering The rematch in a steel cage of the SummerSlam main event that will not exist in my mind as far as I don't want to talk about
0: it. The Survivor Series at times felt like it was just one big advertisement for that match. Ugh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have the... uh, We'll talk about all the Hogan stuff when we get there, so, um, yeah. Uh, BK... Yeah, this is one of those matches where you talk about the structure is kind of weird, and I appreciate they do this, because if every match kind of went the way you would predict, I think it would get very repetitive. So here you got, like, one heel, big boss man, against three baby faces, and yeah. uh, he doesn't even, like, he doesn't give up, he doesn't walk out. Like, he fights them, he fights them all. He even eliminates one of them, the Red Rooster, which, of course, is easy pickings, but uh, still... I love Big Boss Man. I feel like he probably could have taken on the whole team here in the right circumstance.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think the biggest mistake they made is not putting Dusty Rose forefront. So, Mm. you know, having Bruce Beefcake eliminate all these people, it's just so so weird because you're not the captain. You're not really anybody, except you matter when you're over there with Hulk Hogan, but you don't really matter outside of it, but you're outside of it right now, but you got to matter because you're going to be over there again later. So, you know, I think a, a few changes, a few small changes could have gone a long way to even better this matchup.
1: I would have to agree, like perhaps removing Brutus Beefcake entirely. <laughs> um, you know, there's got to be somebody else who could have taken that spot. So uh, Dusty does get the final pin. He pins the big boss man with the big crossbody. After yes. the match, uh, big boss man shows that uh, he's gonna have that baby face turn because he does what any good baby face would do, and he beats up the he the the other team after the match with his nightstick.
0: I love it. I, in my notes, I, I questioned that he already turned face without us watching. So, <laughs> you know, he's got he's got the, he's got the goods. <laughs> I think he's got the character for it.
1: I think he's got the temperament. He's gonna. I'm actually surprised he's been heel as long as he has, because uh, he will turn baby face in a pretty monstrous way. Before all is said and done, so I'm really looking forward to that already.
0: I am too. I feel like he's been on pause you know, almost since the whole Kogan feud, and it's time to put him back into like live action again.
1: Sure, absolutely. I mean, look how great that feud was—one of the best drawing house show feuds they ever had or ever will have. You know, make use of this man, absolutely. You know, I watched um, somebody in LP forums—I don't remember who—but thank you, whoever did this—put up an Arn Anderson versus big boss man match from wcw yes benjamin button who is a beautiful beautiful person um put that match up from 1996 uh wcw saturday night and man that match was great until jim duggan interfered and that sucked but that's you know it just showed me that big boss man and i already knew this but he never ever really lost his talent in wcw they just stopped using him After he had to change his gimmick a few times, they didn't care about him anymore. But, man, like, this guy is so great, and he's so great for so long, so much better than he gets credit for. So I got to praise the big boss man again. One of the best big men of all time. Very, very talented guy.
0: That matchup was phenomenal. They both brawled it in a way that's true to them. So you think about the Art Anderson style, the Bossman style. It's not that far apart. Uh, it had a nice little story going on around it. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely recommend that matchup if you're a fan of those two.
1: Yeah, really good. Really good. Just close your eyes when Jim Duggan stupidly comes out. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, Nick Patrick is playing his best Tommy Young, where you don't see someone holding the rose a couple of times, then you sneak up and see it and just kick the shit out of them.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Nick Patrick with some attitude. You love to see it.
0: And- yeah, I will also say this. All right, so let's go ahead and queue this up www.lopforms.com. I do want to hear some feedback on this if possible. And I might change my mind, but I was thinking about when I was growing up. I was not a fan of Roddy Piper as in in the announce booth. I did not really enjoy him. I was not a fan of Randy Savage in the announce booth. I didn't really enjoy him. Um, oddly, I think Dusty Rhodes is phenomenal in the announce booth. Agreed. So a couple of things. I don't know what the difference is that makes that so. And I also wonder how, how much is that a common opinion or am I missing something with the others? But it just felt like I can take Savage – Savage and Piper, amazing promos, and I could take five minutes of them in the booth, but extending it over shows, it never did much for me. Mm -hmm.
1: I think uh, as far as Piper and Savage go, the narrative is with you, especially I hear a lot of criticism for Randy Savage in the booth, more than I actually think is fair, so if anything, I might go a little bit the other way, because he had his moments, I think Piper did as well, I know one time in particular that I am going to praise him, but uh, neither of them are any Jesse Ventura, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, Dusty, I think was probably actually not liked that much in the booth at the time, but I think his, uh, commentary career has been rehabbed through history. I hear more positive stuff about it now than I used to, which I think is very justified because I agree just hearing him do that little bit in that 1996 mm-hmm. match. I was like, man, I love Dusty Rhodes. Like he's great. You know, he, he didn't reflect, I think some of the things of the time. Cause it was a time when people kind of wanted like, um, you know, they want like, the Tenet types, like, tell us, like, the names of the moves, call the action, but, man, I'll take a Dusty Rhodes, like, excitable type any day over that, so that's, uh, you know, just my personal
2: opinion.
0: Absolutely. I think Jim Ross said that, uh, Jerry Lawler and Dusty Rhodes were similar in that, neither of them would do the prep work for the show you know, you know they didn't they enjoy prep work and they wanted to go off their instincts so he would do the work for them just give them a little bit of what's going on and then just let them like speak from their gut you know and he would kind of he would kind of do all like the heavy lifting as far as you know the things that the companies wanted out of them pre-game pre-prep all that shit mm. so
1: and that's a that's dynamic that i think works i'll say i'm not Really, I've never been the biggest fan of Jerry Lawler on commentary, and I think I'll have plenty of criticisms to level in that direction when the time comes. But uh, I can see some similarity. Uh, I would certainly take Dusty before Lawler, though, my personal preference.
0: Yeah, the reason it stood out to me is because it was a Jerry Lawler episode of Grilling JR. And Jerry, of course... Jim Ross loves Jerry Lawler, so of the weird include, even though we would probably flip it, the weird inclusion for that show was to even bringing Dusty Rhodes into that conversation, you know. But <laughs> yeah, it kind of hit for me though, because when I listened to that Tony Dusty, I think call on, on Anderson and Bubba Rogers, it was everything he says is just so fresh. Like he is, he is legit calling what is in front of his face, which to me is what he's being paid to do in theory. So mm. go for it
1: absolutely i'll just say very quickly about tony Schiavone. i don't know why i keep talking about him but man like i don't know when this guy slept at one point because he called like every wcw show in existence for a long time and uh was a lot of wcw shows and that should be evidenced by the fact that we're talking about this match at all it seems like two guys if they were ever in wcw at the same time they must have had a match because they just had so many shows with all these like unique matches all this stuff going on. So, yeah, that's just um, the weirdness of WCW at that era, but weird in a good way, I suppose.
0: I wow. love that you assume that a human suit requires sleep.
1: <laughs> You're right. What am I thinking? It's <laughs> totally different. So.
0: I will say a couple of things about uh, what is coming up here. Number one, I thought this was going to be Sapphire just, like, running in the ring because, you know, they, they're beating down Dusty after the match. Right. I was very disappointed to see that it was going to be a Brutus Beefcake run-in.
1: <laughs> well, he came in with his knives, and that's the only thing that can make Bossman leave because he was afraid yeah. he was going to get stabbed, as I am always afraid that Beefcake will stab someone because he pretty much says he's going to stab someone in a lot of his promos. So the friggin' Jack the Ripper character is not up uh, in my books, so here we are.
0: I think we go from that to a fire promo from big boss man like i was i was drawn to the screen as big boss man was talking to sean mooney after this matchup
1: absolutely sean mooney taking a, a page out of gene Okerlund's book he accosts the big boss mm-hmm. man after the match but he shouldn't have done so because boss man is fired up he cuts a great promo slick also cuts a great promo here because he is so supportive of the big boss man even though he lost like there is no trace of him Coming down on on his man, he praises him and his performance universally, and I, I love that. I love Slick. I love the togetherness of heels when they have everything uh, kind of going in that direction. So some very good stuff here.
0: That's a great point. I didn't think about that, but yeah, uh, and I think Slick probably knows that like, Bossman is a is a commodity not not to let slip through your fingers. You know, mm-hmm. this is a time. We talked about it in WCW when he's taking on Vader. He like Miss Van just said he's phenomenal throughout his career, but man, a young boss man that has the whole world in front of him and, and you've got him on your roster, don't don't let that go.
1: Absolutely not. Those Vader matches, some of my favorite things that we covered in WCW's legacy series. Clash of the Titans, the Behemoths. Oh, I love those matches. They're so great.
2: I got a
0: little depressed after this because I went this promo was so good. That I pulled up the card to the Royal Rumble. I thought, my God, we're going to get Bossman and Dusty Rhodes at the Royal Rumble. Uh, we're not going to get Bossman and uh, Dusty Rhodes. We're going to get Bossman versus Hexall at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. So,
1: I, yeah. Dusty and Bossman never make one of the episodes that we will cover, so I'm, I'm looking very strongly for some bonus content we can include for them because I would love to see that match. I don't know why this match was banned from television or something. Yeah. It was just too great to show everybody. But, uh, it's definitely a match that I would have much rather seen than that crap you just talked about, so God,
2: yeah.
0: Dusty's running around every week of his life with is Boss Boss like gear on him. yes, get you halfway don't know why he's doing it,
1: <laughs> you're right, yeah, I don't know. Oh, wait, I totally lied. It's on the next uh Saturday night's main event, so oh
0: nice, okay. whoops,
1: but great, so that's a mistake I'm glad to make because uh I'm very happy to see that that's coming up. And I am very excited. Okay, shut my mouth. Here we go.
0: Do we have just one more Saturday Night's Main Event, or do we have two? Just one?
1: Before Royal Rumble? I think just one.
0: Okay, so, yeah, we'll be closing out then with that, and that's a good way to go. I'm glad they give us that. I don't know how that turns into Bossman versus Hacksaw, but I guess only time will tell.
1: <laughs> I mean, with Hacksaw, like, it's just like the match. Like, why have the match? Why have the feud? Boss, uh, Duggan will probably just run out and hit somebody with his freaking board, and, you know, that's that's enough for him, I think, you know. <sighs> Duggan.
0: We'll talk Duggan in a little bit, because I always put him above a lot of these guys, but when I see him in big matches in his big push, there are moments where I hate him more than anybody on the show.
1: Yeah, he and Beefcake are uh, competing, usually, for the worst spot, so Ultimate War, I should be glad. He's on a, a card with those two because uh, he'll always be at least uh, number three from the bottom.
0: So I think Gene Arklin is with with, with Gene <clears throat> Gene Arclan is with the four by fours.
1: <laughs> Here's a horrible sight. If you ever wanted to see not one dug in but four <laughs> uh, standing with a board and chanting stupidly, then this site is for you. It was not for me. It was a horrible sight. I almost wanted to turn off the show when I saw this. So.
0: This is an amazing thing. I feel like I saw Jim Duggan. There is a case to be made that if he doesn't get in a little bit of trouble, at some point they would have tried him because they really, the force that he gets in booking consistently is unlike almost anybody in the company.
1: God. I, <laughs> we, we've talked about a lot of uh, better alternatives for Hogan Warrior. It could have been Hogan Duggan, you know, mm-hmm. for all the push that's going on. So let's let's be thankful a little bit at least. Duggan we would not, not be ever- doing
0: the series if that was the game. <laughs> like, that's a deal breaker for me. Uh, Even uh, imagining it is almost a deal breaker.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. But, uh, whew, yeah, I think it was um, Bischoff, who, uh, you know, he's full of crap about half the time. But he made an observation with Duggan. And he was a guy who will always get a pop and never, like, actually draw anything. And I'm hoping <laughs> – that that was recognized in the companies to the point that they're like, all right, well, we'll put him out there because he gets pops. And he does, you know, he gets the crowd engaged. We've talked about the importance of that. But, man, like, never a guy that I think you can really uh, base things around, especially in this incarnation, because you want to talk about people with, like, nothing there. Like, Duggan is really high up on the list.
0: Yeah, and it's so frustrating because – it's like he's bored and nonplussed, and he just comes in and, like, absent mindedly runs over anybody in the business. You know, yeah. not even, imagine if he tried.
1: Right, yeah. There's totally that vibe of, like, he's, he's not focused, and he's just being silly, and, like, he can just beat you without even meaning to, practically. So, yeah, that there's something to that.
0: Absolutely. So, you have the King's Court, which is Randy Savage. Greg Valentine, Dino Bravo, and Earthquake, folks. And they're going to take on the 4x4s, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Rugged Ronnie Garvin, Brett the Hitman Hart, and Hercules. Yep,
1: and once again, this is a match we have got probably uh, at least um, five or six really quality people in this match, and that's out of eight, so that's really not too bad. It's just, again, it's a point that you brought up, that the the quality of this roster is just super high right now.
0: It is, it is, and you got four of them with two-by-fours in their hands, and Real Monsoon so lets us know, don't worry, that's just a symbol of their team.
1: Oh, God, yeah, it's a symbol until they want to brain somebody <laughs> with it, so, oh, boy.
0: Okay, so I just go ahead and say we get a standing military press by Hercules on Macho Man Randy Savage.
1: We do, we do. The The, the, the Hercules focus is always welcome. The military press is always welcome. You got to love stuff like that. Uh, for me, what I'm popping for probably the most, Garvin and Valentine solving their issue by just smashing the living hell out of each other, and that's something I could probably watch all day long. Really excited for that Royal Rumble match, which I think I've actually never seen, so that that will be new to me, and hopefully it will be uh, as exciting as I imagine it will be.
0: It better be, because when you get a chance to look at the matches around it, we bet, it they better bring it for, <laughs> for the whole show. <laughs>
1: Royal Rumble is all about the Rumble. I remember this one being a good one, so let's let's hang our hats on that. But, yeah, I hope that this is good as well because, yeah, there there are often some weak matches on the Royal Rumble card. So
0: Yeah, so this one's also interesting. I think like Hercules is the least among his team in maybe the match.
1: Sadly, um, in terms of uh, push of attention, yes, I think he's at the bottom, although in terms of uh, talent, He's not. He's got uh, a lot left to offer that he will probably not get to offer a lot of anymore.
0: Yeah. We get some Bret Hart Greg Valentine, which we have covered in the series. That's always nice to to look at.
1: We also get a Bret Savage face-off, which actually I thought got a pretty big pop. And that uh, surprised me a little, but it made me glad as well. And it shows the excitement for them to have a bigger match than they would end up having
2: in the end.
0: I want to say something about that because I do think that's one of the iconic moments in Survivor Series because it is such a kind of you're paying attention while the fans are into this without kind of being scripted to be into it. But it's also Randy Savage putting over Bret Hart because the way that Randy Savage runs full speed all the way to the all the way to the ropes where Bret Hart is and then kind of falls back. Like you can tell Randy Savage has decided that Bret Hart needs to be recognized for being the amazing talent that he is. And so I think he helps facilitate this, but it's also gigantic props to Bret Hart because this is an organic moment where the fans see it and they respond to it as if it's like some kind of Hogan, Warrior, or Savage type thing. So yeah, just iconic moment in Survivor Series.
1: Absolutely so. And it made me wonder, at what point do you think they thought main event for Bret Hart? Because I can't imagine they thought it yet, but clearly they've been thinking for a while, like, yeah, this guy will be probably Intercontinental Champion, you know, who'll be one of our, our upper mid-card guys. I don't know, when does that shift to main event? Maybe not to, like, Hogan Lee's and the steroids and all that, but um, still, like, there there's an interesting thought process with Bret Hart going on, I
2: think.
0: Yeah, in my mind, he just made Rick Flair, he, like, did it, just went into business for himself and made Ric Flair tap out in <laughs> Canada, and they're like, well, we got to go with it now, because... That's what it felt like when I was watching in real time.
1: Yeah, that first reign is super weird, for sure. It begins and ends kind of off-screen, and um, it's like, wait, did that happen? I, I yeah. missed it, so weird time, the weird year of 92, where, where things will be heavily transitioning.
0: I wanted to bring that up, too, though, because this is the same macho man who wanted to put over Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels in 1993, yeah. and... So you see how genuine he is because all the way back to '89 he's doing it already.
1: Mm, yeah, what a waste that, that didn't happen. Yeah. as we've talked about. So. Well,
0: he didn't. Uh, he didn't want. Uh, contrary to what I just said out of my mouth, he didn't want to do those things. He just wanted to be in the back and transition to the booth and be, <laughs> you know. So let's make sure that we honor the WWF narrative while we're doing the show, buddy.
1: God's <laughs> sake! So uh, ridiculous. <laughs> my God. Uh, it kills me that it's totally off topic, but it kills me that, you know, we'll see Roddy Piper come and go so many times when he comes back, he'll always get something big to do. Randy Savage, he had to go in the booth and he could only have like little feuds when he he came out of the booth. He had to feud with like the repo man or, you know, crush, which is kind of an exciting feud, but it's also like it's Crush, So, you know, it's like, I don't know, such a weird situation. Yeah, check your calendars. Randy Savage will abandon this promotion forever because of this role he's been put into. So let's let's think about that narrative for a second.
0: Yeah, and we are going to we're going to spotlight the hell out of that because I believe we're going to get a garbage uh, Roddy Piper, Jerry Lawler 1994 (laughs) matchup that ends, if I'm not mistaken, ends the King of the Ring. But Randy Savage cannot be used in 1993.
1: Yeah, I believe you are right about that. So, uh, man, just some weird stuff going on in that time period. Um, All right, bring it back to this match. Here's something else that's weird. Uh, I don't know if you had the same impression, but Earthquake, kind of like, he isn't shit in this match. Like, he's not that threatening. He sort of gets clowned at times. Uh, You definitely wouldn't think that he would be squishing Hogan within the year.
0: Yeah, every guess that I had almost was wrong on this show i thought that was this was gonna be the debut of of an andre jr type character but he's kind of just there and they marvel at his size but he wrestles like he could be anybody else on the team
1: (laughs) yeah i mean earthquake he'll have his moments he's never been one of the more impressive big men to me and maybe that's uh coming into play here but again it's also the booking because like he'll get pushed over and like a guy is like behind him and tripping him and he'll kind of look foolish and yeah, I don't know. Like I said, he kind of needs to get that Canadian flag off him, and then then he'll kind of be something more. Right now, he's sort of just a big, um, like not that important guy.
0: He needs to get Dino Bravo off of him, and what else?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it, actually.
0: It's weird because I think he runs right in on his first tag and, and squashes Hercules and finishes him. So you know, there's, there's a moment where I'm like, okay, they're booking him like I thought, but then. I think that, that might have had more to do with Hercules than Earthquake.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. And Brett, it's Bret Hart who runs behind and does a schoolboy, and they knock him over, which is, like, that's neat. You know, it's very Bret Hart, but early on in Earthquake time, I don't know if that's what he needs to be doing.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, he looked very foolish, I thought, so that's, um, that's an interesting choice. Uh, this match, it's, uh, it's not bad, there's good stuff in it, but it's probably my least favorite match on the show, and I think that's just because when it gets down to it, like, it's, it's Savage Earthquake and Bravo against Bret Hart and Jim Duggan for what felt like a really long time, and then Bret Hart comes out, and then it's just Duggan by himself, and of course he can't sell anything, he's, like, chasing all the heels around, and, uh, he can't even be pinned, which was so fucking dumb he's got to be counted mm. out and that's to your point that I guess they just love this guy so much so um, there's good stuff in this match but it really annoyed me in the finishing stretch
0: yeah it, it makes no sense I get I get so furious watching hacks all the time because if he's that good is he that good or is everybody else that bad and if he's that good I put him in the main event give him the world title and let him run off you know I'm not going to go with it but like if he can half ass uh dominate half the company you know i don't understand why he's just in random matches all the time
1: right yeah i mean if he can just beat everyone and hardly know where he is then yeah you should just be champion and then we, we can just go and watch another company you know so yeah
0: that ending like mm, you you gotta let him get beat like that count out this is, don't waste my time with that garbage
1: Right, yeah, three on one, he can't even take a loss, he's got to be counted out, just, I don't know, and of course, of course, I don't even have to tell you, listeners, I don't even have to tell you what happened after the match, because you already know, but of course, he walked back in the ring, just started hitting everyone with his stupid two by four, and uh, this is where Gorilla Monsoon is losing all his credibility, because he's like, this is great, I condone this, and Ventura's (laughs) like, You're despicable, and he's right, so.
0: Well, he's just hitting them with a symbol. You know, what's that going (laughs) to, is that going to (laughs) hurt?
1: For God's sake.
0: Okay, so that happens, and Randy Savage, folks, in case you didn't get it, was in that matchup, so not only is it three-on-one, but Randy Savage cannot find a way to put old Hacksaw down, so, Uh. you know.
1: Yeah, remember when he stretchered him out? No, neither does anyone else. So, Ugh. here we are. It, it wasn't even brought up in the match. I actually forgot that that happened while I was watching this match. So, again, nothing that nothing happens to Jim Duggan matters. You know, his history doesn't matter. His future doesn't matter. The moves that happen to him, they don't matter. Win or lose doesn't matter. Nothing matters with Jim Duggan. It's so pointless. Ugh.
0: I forgot it till you said it right now, and I'm glad <laughs> I did because... I'm surprised he didn't end up with the crown on his head Before he was done
1: Dancing around, yeah for sure You would have thought
0: Man, I think they they know that they want Macho Man as Macho King So they want to give Hacksaw But this is again my point right here If he's not so good like You're not going to mess with a title Because you're not going to do that You're not going to mess with the king You're not going to mess with Savage So he's not good enough to commit anything of value to But he's good enough that he has to dominate everybody and he can't really lose. Yeah.
1: Come on. I don't know. This the worst. My least favorite Vader match I've ever seen. This is his match with Duggan because it's the only match that I could think of. Even Hogan sold Vader for like a second. Yeah. And Duggan just like wouldn't even give a crap about like the the hardest hitting guy in wrestling. And it was like he could have just been in there with anybody. So you know, it's just that's just Duggan.
2: I guess it's not for me. He
0: makes Vader look like a child at some points, and that's, you know, I don't know who's winning there for what WCW was trying to get out of that. Especially when, you know, we're going to look at Vader's great success in WCW and how he was misused in WWF, and somehow that happened in WCW. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to the good Vader stuff. I watched um, a match on Raw vader versus rocky my via and man that was that was super fun i got a little vader sting vibe off of that that was some really good stuff and it just shows you how much more they could have done with vader but we're going to talk about that a lot when we get there
0: man i can see that vader's got the face and body to receive those open hand uh rights that we were talking about last week
1: absolutely yeah rock yeah he's another one who has a, a pretty good one it's not not Scott Hall level. That that's the top level. But man, he's got some
0: good ones as well. I can't remember if our prof said that or BK. Uh, so that's oh, the only cool one folks cool. from last week. We asked who else. We got one suggestion. And Rock is another guy who's around that height. A little, a little not quite as tall, but it's, it's, it's these kind of great big guys who are around that mid six six feet, uh, and often baby faces, sometimes heels, but. Does there, there's some kind of continuity to the ones who throw those uh those open hand rights
1: mm. man i totally forgot rock was six five i looked that up just this mm. weekend and i was like wow holy shit <laughs> so, wow good for and so windows was yeah. billed
0: at six six uh yeah. razor at six seven so that's an interesting thing that they're all within the, like an inch of each other and they are the three guys that we came up with who do those open rights
1: yeah yeah for sure i feel like Kane maybe kind of does him, too, because he does the uppercut version, but sort of a similar vibe with that. Um, Gold does, too, kind of, he yeah. does, like, drop-down, like, punch-up thing. So, yeah, again, just these tall the guys, guys. like, they're team. all they're all kind of in that same height range, so.
0: Yeah. And Dustin Dustin teamed up with Barry Windham, and uh, they probably were both doing it, you know, during that time together.
1: Oh, beautiful team. Love that.
0: <laughs> I was watching. I don't know how that clip came up, but... I was watching some of when, like, they teamed up and then Barry Windham, of course, like, put his hand in that car and shut the door on it.
1: Oh, with Arn and Larry and, oh, my God. Such great times. My God.
0: Yeah, I like to bring this stuff up once in a while. Just, you know, when you you cheat on, uh, I don't recommend cheating on your first love. But, uh, you know, (laughs) when you do, apparently you feel good about it for however long we've we've been covering WWF, the Legacy Series. But I'm starting to feel a little guilt. For just how much praise I've given them. Starting to think about the NWA and WCW a little bit. Oh,
1: man. Man, that's in that same uh, 91, 92 range mm-hmm. as well. Man, what a great time for wrestling that was. Yeah. That period right there. That's No wonder you became a wrestling fan. Because that's right about when you came in on yes. both sides. So that that's great stuff.
0: Yeah, that was right. That probably be 92 because I think it's the Dangerous Alliance. So Luger's gone, I think. Or no, it might be Halloween Havoc '91. Might be late '91.
1: Yes, right That's, around there for sure. Right in that yeah. late '91, early '92 period, which was just so good. So. Yes.
0: And we got good stuff coming, folks. I I've said it, and I'm welcome to be surprised about any of it. But I know there's some '91, '92, and '97 stuff that like I would do the whole series just to get to those times. <laughs> we kind
1: of are. So you know. Uh...
0: <laughs> well said. Is Gene Uglin outside the door of Dusty Rhodes? Yes, he, he
1: is. He tells us that uh, he's receiving medical attention thanks to Big Boss Man. So I'm really glad I was wrong, and that match is actually going to be on the next episode because I've been dying to see it, and it's been hard to find. So that's the one that I'm looking forward to.
0: Absolutely. Right, I right. I'm so glad they're getting some time. Props to WWF for that. Uh, the genius is up next, and he is reading a Thanksgiving poem about the milk of human kindness.
1: Indeed. I have no notes about it.
0: Okay. So I think then we're going back to the ring. Uh, we got Ted DiBiase, the powers of pain and Zeus going up against Hulk Hogan, Jake Roberts, and the demolition. Yep. Uh, and names the of The
1: yes, has to be. Um, super weird placement of this match, right? Yes. Hulk Hogan not closing the show. I was surprised by that.
0: Yes. Yeah, not even next to last. It's right in the middle of the card. We got uh, the rude, hyper stuff still to come we got the warrior heenan family still to come and just kind of randomly middle of the card we got hulk hogan's uh i guess separating them a little bit
1: i don't know i don't know if this is one of those times where hogan wanted to leave early and go out and do some stuff in the town or something or if they just realized, hey this zoo stuff is not that good the way we booked this match is not that good let's maybe say something more uh crowd-pleasing for the end i'm not sure could be either one could be both
0: (laughs) yeah i would i would debate whether that happened or not but we'll see uh it has been said i don't know if this is during warriors title reign that i think this is maybe dave meltzer maybe someone else that there were some times where hogan was in the middle of the card when the house shows and warrior was ending it and they were having a problem with a lot of people leaving after hogan's matches
1: I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. I don't even put that so much on Warrior because I think a lot of people, like it or not, were just there to see Hulk Hogan, you know? You want to talk about a star who is actually a draw, you know? I uh, You put Hogan out there, the kids see Hogan, the kids get tired, all right, we're going home, you know? So that that is what it is.
0: That's the struggle with someone that is a Warrior or a Sting or a Luger, like. The one thing as as an adult, I've started seeing why you want Hogan on the top or Brett on the top or Flair on the top. I feel like if the situation was reversed, some of those guys would at least understand the business enough that they would get with Vince and figure out what do we need to say? What do we need to do to try to win these fans over? Whereas I think guys, some of these guys, whatever happens is what happens. And they wouldn't even have a mindset that they need to do something to flip it or there's going to be trouble.
1: Yeah, I, I can actually relate to that. A lot of times in my life, I will tackle like the kind of the problems that are in front of me, the stuff that's put in front of me. But there could be stuff like kind of out there on the edge that uh, that you could do, but maybe you're not in the mindset to really think about that kind of thing. So I, I can totally understand that. You're like, I'm here, I'm doing the work, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and it's still not working, and uh, it's hard to even process that. At times, it's hard to see that when you're in the moment. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think I'm the opposite, where all I see is the horrible stuff to come, and I don't even see like what's right in front of me in my life.
1: Oh, don't worry. I see horrible stuff, too, sometimes. So. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> okay, so I wrote down that Hulk Hogan, if you put Demolition with Jake Roberts, you kind of get Hulk Hogan. So Demolition is like all force, <laughs> and they just run their opponents over. Jake Roberts is like sadistic mind games and manipulating everything around him. So they're a good representation, uh, I think, for Hulk Hogan's team. <laughs>
1: They are. They are. I like that they uh couldn't even get into the ring until uh, Jake threw the snake in and then everyone had to bail. I thought that yes. was a nice little moment before the match and
0: that was nice because that's a smart thing and you would think people would do it more often. They are the heels. They've already filled up the ring. Why are they gonna just stand in their corner and let you all get in, you know climb into the ring?
1: Right, yeah, I mean they're not very sports would like, so you know. Um <laughs> this is uh uh they do some Hogan and Zeus stuff, and it's so basic and it's not interesting. Um, even commentary is like they have to debate about like why is there a Z on Zeus's head, and Ventura's like, yeah. well, because it stands for Zeus, and Montu is like, no, it's because if he gets lost, he needs to remember what his name is or something. So um, I feel like Ventura was kind of making fun of this a little bit because they talk about Zeus's belt, and he's just like well, it's a Zeus belt, and, you know, it's, like, just, just silly comments, I don't know, I think Ventura may be taking the piss a little bit, and you can't blame him, so...
0: He's probably also pissed that they're putting so much into that stupid movie, when, you know, he gets a legit, like, movie star, but... Yeah, he's a know. predator,
1: for God's sake, so, yeah, alright.
0: Um, this is also the thing where, I think, the eye rake, um, so, we're told pretty much, I think several times in WWF, that people that can't be hurt, like, your eyes can always be hurt, if nothing else... Yeah,
1: Hogan with the eye rake when his normal attacks don't work. So just just pure Hollywood Hogan years before. Uh, he slams Zeus and Zeus no-sells it, even though the slam totally worked in SummerSlam. So interpret that as you will.
0: Yeah, this booking is atrocious. Like He's, he's already beat Zeus, number one. Number two, if you give all this stuff to a guy who's not going to get over and can't wrestle and is not a wrestler, he is an actor... Not only does it not work, but it devalues the entire company because, again, there's a random actor who's not a good wrestler. He's just tougher than all the wrestlers. And he came in on day one and he was better than all the wrestlers. And the wrestlers who wrestle for a living don't know how to hurt him. Like Everything about this is bad for the company. It's bad for business. It's bad booking. It's
1: very bad, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a wrestler's job to know how to hurt other people. It's literally what they do all the time. Um, and, yeah, he's just this, uh, man, if you were Zeus and you really had all these powers that he's supposed to have, you, why why would this be your job anyway? Just, like, be a boxer or something, and you'll never, yeah. like, you win every match and, you know, it's just none of it really works very well. So, yeah, um uh, you, you made a point that if Hogan was doing this kind of similar storyline with someone good, it would have worked. And I'll, I'll give you credit. That's probably true, even though I think Hogan is phoning it in more than he used to. But uh, I think it still would have worked if it was just not Zeus right here. I just think they're burning up their credibility with the audience, yes. and they're doing it just uh, like like so carelessly.
2: I
0: just think the way that he's talked about Zeus and the vulnerability, like if this was a guy, like let's say this was Andre, but Andre was a young guy. You know, instead of the legend who put Hogan over.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I would be out of my mind right now about, like, he can't hurt this guy. They can't even keep him in the ring, you know, and he's also charismatic. He's also a young star, you know, and I would legit be thinking, I like Andre, and I think Andre might have a chance of knocking Hogan off, but nobody in the world thinks that Zeus is going to do anything other than what Zeus is going to do. Zeus can't move like a wrestler. It's not his fault because he's not a wrestler. You know, Hogan can't act because he's not an actor. So, like, it goes both ways. But uh, you, Ms. Van said it, and I'm watching credibility burn away in real time for this wrestling company. And either they know it, but they're committed to putting over this movie, or they don't know it, but it's happening in front of our faces.
1: Right, yeah. I think with something like this, I mean, like, the crowds are still popping. Like, they still are are selling a lot of tickets, obviously. But... This is the kind of thing, it doesn't make a fan turn off all at once, but it starts to give them a feeling of, like, maybe this isn't cool or interesting anymore. You know, maybe I'm not excited to go talk about this at school tomorrow with my friends or, like, whatever the hell it is you do as a wrestling fan. Um, And, yeah, I think uh, it's a cumulative effect. It's something that builds up over time, and WWF is going to reap the – Uh, downfall of this uh, in a a year or two here
0: I would just invite fans Hogan got a big ovation when he came out but then I would say watch the Hogan Zeus encounter Mm. and watch Ultimate Warrior eliminate Andre the Giant and just listen to the fans during both of those and then find some peak Andre Hogan stuff and listen to the fans during that Mm. that's my challenge
1: yeah, true. Like, the fan uh, reaction doesn't get stronger through the night. It gets uh, maybe a little bit weaker, and that uh, that will maybe tell you something about the booking right there and about the decisions that are being made. So
0: It really does, because Warrior comes down without his music because of what happens in the match, and I don't know if it's just his crowd, because he will get phenomenal reactions WrestleMania and other times, but the non-music Ultimate Warrior entrance in that match, he didn't get a bad ovation, but... He's not, like, you You wouldn't be able to say, oh, my God, that's the guy based on watching Survivor Series.
1: Hmm. I, I don't know if I completely agree. I thought he got some pretty big pops, but, yeah, not, like, such big pops that I'm like, he's got to be the guy. So I, I think I agree with you to some extent there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, i probably have to watch it again to make sure. But, you know, it's also, again, what, is this, what, is, what does it say about Randy Savage and DiBiase and all these guys? Like, Hogan can always get the best of them, but he can't even touch Zeus. So like where does Zeus rank, and nobody else would be even be on the same page. Like you had to start another page <laughs> just to get the wrestlers in the conversation.
1: Right? Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. Um, and it's like it's, <sighs> This is where you were talking about like half this card is just to sell this stupid, to yeah. match the movie thing, because uh, Zeus is like pulling Hogan's head off, and Hogan is just helpless, I guess, and Hebner is in there and he's trying to like pull Zeus off and Zeus pushes him. So of course he has to be uh, disqualified and nobody can beat Zeus because he's Zeus. And it's just, uh, it's very silly. So
0: it's stupid booking, you know, they don't get the key for anything in WWF, but then all it says is again, it feels like the referee just out, out and out bailed Hulk Hogan out because Hulk Hogan couldn't handle it.
1: Yeah. Ventura even uh, says that specifically, even Monsoon when Hammer is trying to like pull Zeus off, he's like, "That's not the referee's job." So it's like yeah. everybody is acting uh, weirdly. Everyone is treating this situation differently, and uh, it's not going the way it's supposed to go.
0: Yeah, it is a mess. And it it's like, oh, we can start the wrestling match now because we just got done with the movie uh, portion of the match.
1: And super weird as well that uh, it's the heels that come in and convince Zeus to like get off of Hogan. <laughs> And, man, if I were were Ted DiBiase, I'd go sit down in a chair and be like, cool, kill him. You know, just, like, make a corpse out of him. Uh, And what about his character says he wouldn't? Yeah, absolutely. Like, you'd think from what Zeus is doing that he's not going to stop until they have to bring a body bag out. And they're just, you know, sure, let him go. So
0: Yeah, the world title would again be held up. So DiBiase would again get what he wants, but for some reason. (laughs) So, again, how many things now... Are just going through the motions that make no sense narratively and character wise. So we are leaving behind the character driven narrative based that made that era so unique and rich. And a lot of people are on autopilot now running through the motions and it oftentimes doesn't make sense. And that stuff, you know, that's what you're going to pay dearly for that if, if you're here to see what we just talked about this character and narrative driven stuff.
1: Absolutely so. and This is where my criticism of Hulk Hogan really comes to the forefront, because a couple minutes after this, he's just back in it like nothing happened. So it's like, what were we even doing this whole time? You know, your vulnerability is worthless if you're just going to kind of shrug it off in a minute here. So, you know, even the thing they're trying to portray, which is not even good in the first place, even that I think they're not sticking to it well.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. They're not committed because it's going to be over probably in a month. And, you know, why wouldn't, if it was legit and you're really going to be all in on it. Why isn't Hogan leave on a stretcher after Zeus is carried away, and why aren't they going all the way to WrestleMania with the matchup since it's so since it's so hot that we've dominated 1989 with it?
1: <laughs> exactly, Even they know, even they can't commit to it because they know it's not that good, uh, but they if they had known that, then they should have just dropped it, but they really wanted to make their money back on this stupid movie, so
0: yes, uh, I think it, the yeah. whole angle is probably phases of the movie, like we want to get everybody to the theaters, so we need to build it up. Okay, it didn't do well at theaters. We want to get everybody you know, to to see it or buy it on VHS or whatever the hell's going on at this time. Okay, that probably didn't work. We just want people to know it existed and we might do more of it. So you know, we're gonna give it away for free. Like it's just different errors of dip downs of trying to promote a movie that has nothing to do with professional wrestling and it's actually not going to benefit them in Hollywood, but it is going to hurt them in the place that they actually exist. Which, sorry, friends, is professional wrestling.
1: Mm. I think it hurt them in Hollywood too. So, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> sort of a loser everywhere, for God's sake.
0: Oh man, that was so good. <laughs> I'm done on that. Was,
1: All right. Yeah. So here are the good parts of the match, or at least some of them. Um, You've got Demolition in there. Demolition is great. At one point, they're just demolishing Ted DiBiase, and I'm like, oh, yeah, wrestling. Here's the part I wanted to see. So this is like a masterclass for Ted DiBiase in particular. He is like the big star of this match, in my opinion. He's the one making it work when it does work.
0: I also love, and I just want to say this real quick, because you kind of already went there. I got several notes about the backslapping slapping beatdowns by the Demolition, and it is so beautiful. I love those sequences, and I just noted that the smartest wrestlers in the world have to be the ones who get over with simple methods.
1: Yes, yeah, for sure. Oh, man, I was just watching some uh, New Japan match. And it was very good, but I'm looking at them, and they're like, man, they're working so hard, just, like, unbelievably hard. And then I think about something like this, and I'm like, yeah, like, Demolition got over doing just, like, double axe handles until the guy fell over. And I'm like, yeah. man, <laughs> like, they were so good. Like, there's so much fun to watch. So, like, there's working hard, and there's working smart, and there's some overlap. And, man, there's a lot to be said about that.
0: It is it, genius, and I agree. Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase is built for this match, though, because this is an old NWA recipe when you got Hogan and Demolition, and you got a Ric Flair type on the other side. So DiBiase, you know, he, he's he's narratively and psychologically smart, but he's also he can bump like like a god, you know. So he he's the perfect guy to I think carry this matchup.
1: Mm, absolutely. So although I will give credit, uh, I think it must have been Benjamin Button again or somebody. He posted a Ric Flair ted dibiase match from uh before from mid-south i think so long before all this and uh ted is a babyface, and uh he like gets attacked before the match he's bleeding everywhere and just like his performance is incredible flares as well so ted dibiase like we all think of him as a heel because he was so good at it but man he was a freaking great baby face as well so like huge talent in this man and uh, deserves really all the credit that i think we can possibly give him here
0: yeah and it's hard sometimes because he's up and down in the card, he's up and down in the matches so mm. it's good to give him credit when we can
1: absolutely so and i forgot because greg valentine didn't get much credit in the match he was in but i gotta mention that too i've been watching those greg valentine clips that benjamin button put up in uh in his mm-hmm. fragments of flare series and holy crap those are great as well so i just want to roundly praise benjamin button a minute for all these great things that he has contributed for the great columns he has written on lpforums.com uh really just one of my favorite people to to hear from to interact with Uh, i gotta give a moment of appreciation for benjamin button who is just just awesome
0: absolutely he has walked with sophistication through some of the eras that we kind of just reference and then get back to oh 80s 90s 2000 you know so if you just follow some of benjamin button's work you can find so much good stuff that sometimes gets left behind just because of the narratives of the world that we live in right now he's been
1: doing the deep unearthing the deep down in the caverns archaeological excavations of stuff that you know, exists on a scratchy VHS tape somewhere and it barely even factors into the known history of wrestling. And it's just so great. It's some of the greatest stuff that you will see and he can give you a doorway to that. So man, that is a guy who's really doing some amazing work.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So much good stuff. And it's just weird because to me, even like when he was younger and uh, some of the stories I hear at least, you know, (laughs) he was a fan of some of the older stuff. Like back then, like the 80s, like if you start watching wrestling in the 90s, it's almost like the 90s are the only thing that exists because like you can't just go on the Internet and be like, OK, I want to see all this old stuff. You got to go to stores. You got to rent stuff. And like he was big into the 80s when it was the 90s, big into Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse Ventura, other guys. So I think he's always had an eye uh, for going backward and finding what what connects, what leads up, what happened, what's overlooked. And he's just carried that out throughout his fandom. And I, I'm glad we took this moment to recognize it because that is something that deserves recognition.
1: Absolutely, he's uh, just the, the work he does is deserving of nothing but praise. I love that story. I love uh, I love everything about the guy, to be honest. So
0: yeah, so that's www.lopforums.com, folks. You can see some of those articles. The fragments of Flair has just concluded, but there's all kind of. Uh, context, commentary, and links and videos to matches to watch if you're a fan of Flair and the stuff predates those NWA title runs.
1: Absolutely. So much good stuff. So, whew. Um, All right. We got to go back to the match. And, uh, hey, here's something that sucked to quickly uh, change gears. You were just saying, like, people hardly get disqualified in the WWF, and that's true. But, hey, have you ever seen two guys two guys both be disqualified for a simple double team that everyone does all the time anyway mm. for god's sakes the powers of pain are both thrown out of this match just because they did a spike pile driver and uh, they probably even did it within the five counts so they get thrown out and again yeah it looks like the referee's bailing out hogan ventura is sickened and so am i so what the hell was going on here just like was the Booker drunk for this match or what? Because this is crazy, man. We never saw something like this before.
0: Yeah. It's horrible booking, but it, it is a Hebner refereeing at Survivor Series, if that helps you at all. Uh, <laughs> it with what does my not,
1: but I appreciate you pointing it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then it makes no sense. And also, the Powers of Pain, they've been defeated at times. So it's like demolition can just get tripped and pinned and they're gone. But powers we can't beat Powers of Pain, even though we beat them you know, in the past. Like, none of the booking makes even an ounce of sense. It's just a lot of head-scratching stuff going on.
1: Absolutely. And, again, it, it gives this weird situation where it's Ted DiBiase alone against two baby faces. although they kind of portray Hogan as being, like, kind of taken out for the moment, although he will come back and uh, no-sell everything as well before all is said and done. So, again, didn't even matter anyway. Um, oh, man. So, yeah. This is, this is the best part of it. Um, the best thing I can say about it is that Ted DiBiase, yeah, he bumps all over the world for these people. Uh, he makes it as big as he can. Virgil shows up. He gets a DDT from Jake. Ted eliminates Jake. So now it's just Hogan and Ted. And, uh, of course, Ted can't win that fight to save his life. So soon Hulk Hogan is hulking up and winning in, like, a matter of seconds after the Hulk up. So it's about what you would expect. <laughs>
0: absolutely there's also a beautiful missile uh clothesline off the top by barbarian earlier that one to shout out absolutely
1: uh, barbarian huge talent love that
2: guy Yeah.
0: props to virgil virgil's now not being at ringside he's running down and causing trouble two shows in a row and we get we saved and one smart thing we save jake robertson dibiase for later in the match because that's kind of the hot feud mm-hmm. but then yeah we get into hogan dibiase everybody knows who's gonna win that everyone knows who always does it's the hulk up the big boot and the leg drop. And again, so now Hogan wins, but he didn't win anything because the match made him look bad. Uh, the Zeus feud didn't make any sense. You know, like, there's no winners in this matchup. Nobody comes out better. You know, it lacks direction in a way that you would think, according to narrative, we're talking about NWA and WCW because it's just narratively void of a of a proper direction. Mm.
1: And you got to put some of it on booking, but i got to put some of it on Hogan as well. Because clearly this is a guy in a position who's able to call his own shots. And uh, it's clear that he is just as interested in WWF as promoting this movie as anything. Um, and, you know, his, his, his comeback against DiBiase was very lazy. It was very basic. Um, it literally, I can't stress enough, it's like Hogan at one point is like lying on the mat convulsing. Like his neck is broken and his nervous system is destroyed. And then as soon as it's him and Ted, as soon as he does his Hulk up, it's just like two moves and it's over. So it's like, what are you even doing at that point? You know, like there's no, you know, it's just bad. It's not good on Hogan's part as well as on the part of the booking.
0: So we go from there to Sean Mooney, who is with Randy Savage, Sensational Sherry, and that monster Zeus. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, Zeus unconcerned about the match that he lost and this qualification he got, I guess. Zeus, unconcerned about everything, just has to clench his body really tightly and make dumb faces. And, uh. I think
0: Sean Mooney is scared to death that those chest punches are going to catch him in the head.
1: <laughs> I would be, for God's sakes. Like, this is not a guy who has very good coordination, clearly, so he might just smack your chest instead of his own,
2: um,
0: I love the Randy Savage. Uh, Zeus has been chosen by the scepter and <laughs> placing the scepter on his head. That was—I don't know why I love that—but that was some that was some awesome Randy Savage stuff.
1: That scepter is a great prop. It looks great. Yes. Savage knows how to use it. You know, as soon as uh, we've complained about it before, as soon as we can just get Savage completely separated from Hogan, I think we're going to see uh, even better stuff from him. So.
0: Yeah. So we go to Gene Oakland who's with Hogan and Beefcake. Um, <laughs> cut.
1: This kills me, because when it starts, it's Okerland in the locker room, and Beefcake is just, like, cackling and clacking his scissors and, like, stomping in place. And I'm just like, is this just what he does all night long in the back? It probably is. That creeps me out, to be honest. So, here we are.
0: Hogan says, cut cut my legs off and call us both shorties, brother.
1: (laughs) What the fuck did that mean? I don't know what that's about. I have no idea uh, what he's even talking. See, Hogan lazy in his words as well. There was a time when Hogan would have said something better than that, for God's sake. So.
0: He um, already lets us know for beefcake to keep the steel, uh, tempered clippers close to the cage. So I'm, I'm guessing somebody's going to die in that cage.
1: Right. Like, it's so obvious that eventually someone is going to get stabbed, and um yeah, alright, so here we get to the good part of this, because Sherry walks up to Alone and challenges both of them, and I think she probably could have taken them out, but instead she throws powder in their faces, and Randy Savage and Zeus run in for a little last minute build up to this match that nobody cares about, so... I love that that the camera
0: doesn't zoom in on her when she's walking. You Mm just see her in the background, and and it makes it a lot more terrifying.
1: Good production, absolutely. Um, Yeah, there will come a time when uh, uh, WWEF production, the WWE production, will become very overproduced. We're not in that time yet, so that's one good thing at least.
0: Yeah, so we we got that build. The Disney characters are definitely on the move. The villains are doing villainous (laughs) things. And so we Hogan go and from Hogan that to and Sean. Beefcake
1: are not Disney heroes, though, so they're not living up to their side of the bargain.
0: Sean <laughs> Mooney is with the Rude Brood. Uh,
1: yes, the Rude Brood. <laughs> uh, what do they have to say? Not a lot, but Rook Rood has a very elaborate tights on, as usual. It shows, like, all eight people in the match. There's a tombstone with the, the baby faces, so props as always to uh rick rude's gear designer because they always did a good job
0: yeah and bobby heenan is not there
1: yeah that's true bobby heenan not there this is uh just before this where they talk about the dissension in the heenan family and that uh, will be a cover for somebody who is uh not with the company anymore but he Mm. still has a match to air so they can't just say he's fired so that's um that's something that they're covering up in a weird way
0: Gene Erkeland is with Roddy's Rowdies and they are hungry, but they can't eat till after the match.
1: But they eat anyway. They've got, like, weird old turkey bones that they shove in their mouths, and uh,
2: that's not for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not for me either. So we go to the ring. It is Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, and the Rougeos taking on Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, and the Bushwhackers. This
1: is a match of two halves for me because in the first half, it's just a lot of dumb like bushwhacker stuff. And it's not really very entertaining to me, but then kind of in the back half, you got uh, perfect and rude against Piper and Snuka. And I, I actually thought it got pretty good at that point. Like there's some very good stuff in the latter half of this match. So I'll, I'll give some credit there.
0: I think we start with a bushwhacker biting a thigh and everybody part will be bitten before we're done. Yeah. and, this is a sincere question that anyone can answer that I just posed because it doesn't do anything for me. What is happening intellectually or experientially that when a guy bites the thigh of another wrestler, like your reaction is the pop is a crowd? <laughs> so if you can answer that for me, I'll appreciate it. Uh,
1: it's got to be it's it's just sort of juvenile humor. You say the thigh, it's really the butt, you know. They're biting him in the butt, and uh, you know, if you ever watch like a kids' cartoon, that might happen. I don't know. It's not uh, something that really entertains me that much because I don't think it looks it looks very out of place, very weird in this environment. But uh, yeah, I don't know. For for a certain kind of uh, sense of humor, I guess that could be
2: very funny. So. But-
0: I do have to specify that he bit the butt later. So he bit the front thigh, I think, of Mr. Perfect. They bit the neck, they bit the shoulder. So there's like four or five biting spots. Yeah. So I get that. I, I'm not a big fan of the biting the butt. Like, oh my God, that's funny. Well, it depends on what we're talking about. We're talking about wrestling, but that's not anybody's business. Uh, I'm not in a wrestling context. I'm not a fan. Like, it doesn't make me pop. Is what I'm trying to say. Rick Steiner would do it as well. But he bites every single body part, and the fans just like standing ovation. You know. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. When Hulk Hogan no. does it, I'm not a big fan of it. Like, you know, Sting, I think, does it at times. And at least if it's a 40-minute match and you're biting somebody, I at least can say, like, oh, my God, he's desperate. But this is like we open the show, we open the match with just a random bite and then a big pop from the fans.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to bite the forehead or you're going to bite the hand so I get out of a move, that's one thing. It's not, even that's not really my favorite, but, yeah, that's, like, part of it. I don't know. I don't get it with the Bushwhackers. Um, They they had some weird popularity over the years. It never translated to me. I find them a a chore to watch. So I I got nothing for you there.
0: A chore is a good word. The Rougeos, to me, put more energy than I've ever seen in my life into a gimmick that is never going to be done anything with.
1: (laughs) They try really hard. They honestly deserve better. They do. uh, Yeah, the Rougeos, they really work hard. Jacques will get some payoff as the Mountie. I really enjoy the Mountie. But um, as the Rougeaus, they never really went anywhere.
0: I feel like Jacques is getting better and better as a character. Yeah. You know, and it's just sad. Like, again, we were talking about this earlier. Like, what kind of character you must have as a human being to be in such a ridiculous gimmick for so long, and yet you continually get better during it and within it?
1: Yeah, I mean, major props to Jacques Rougeau, who I think uh, is actually a great talent, and I agree, like, he stands out more and more as time goes, I don't know if he's revving up for that singles run or what, but uh, he's definitely showing me something, and it's just a shame that they got stuck in this weird Vince-ism that doesn't really translate to anyone else, where they're, like, insincere immigrants to America, yeah. this is something he, like, over the years, multiple times, he will do this, and it never really translates, because it's like too specific like it doesn't translate to the crowd so i don't know they're just stuck in this weird place and at least they're trying really hard so
0: i don't know if i'm misremembering is it jacket that at some point does a uh, cartwheel or some kind of like type thing like that and they're I like so yeah it's impressive especially for a guy his size
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, a lot of the stuff he does is impressive to me. So uh, if you've got an eye for that kind of thing, you're definitely going to notice Jacques Rougeau in the early parts of this match.
0: He stands out. To me, like, he is definitely – if you think Bret Hart was too good to be in the Hart Foundation and, oh, my God, it was so obvious, like, ten times that Jacques in his tag team at this time because I forget Raymond. I don't know if I've said his name, but, like, three times in the series so far, but (laughs) – You know, sorry about that.
1: Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Raymond, but yes, certainly at this point, he is not uh, really standing out like his brother is. So we're seeing a clear difference between them as we go on here.
0: Okay, so I think you hit the nail on the head that this is a tell of two matches.
1: Yeah, I mean, once we get to the better parts, I think it's actually pretty good. Uh, Mr. Perfect, in particular, Mm. I think is carrying this match in the ring uh, not only are his bumps great, as we all know, the bump he takes when he gets punched should be in a museum, like the way he flies around and just ragdolls is incredible. But also great offense, great aura, great character at this time. I just love watching Mr. Perfect, so he is like the the star of this match to me, and he is looking great here.
0: It's also again the the weird booking of heels and faces because mm. what made this so good to me. All right, so. I was reading uh, in, in in the personal essay. It, it is said by at least one author that tension is what makes the essay work, and tension comes from desire and danger being expressed throughout the text. And what made this match for me is this desire to be undefeated by Mister Perfect, because it's your whole gimmick. Like the moment you're no longer undefeated, you're no longer Mister Perfect in the way you're claiming to be, mm-hmm. and how clearly at times in this show that I thought he has to lose. I don't know if they're going to count it. I don't know what they're going to say, but he's going to lose in this match. And what's going to happen to that uh, perfect gimmick, that perfect streak, and the fact that he survives. This is a heroic performance to hold on to something that you believe in and that you claim for yourself. It is the thing of, like, baby faces, what Mr. Perfect does in this match.
1: (laughs) Yes, he digs in very deeply, and uh, he fights for something that he – that means something to him, and that if you can't relate to that, then that's something that uh, I don't know what to tell you about. Because I agree, that's something that uh, stood out to me as well.
0: And he tells Jimmy Snooker before the match, "I got something for you," and that something is the perfect place, and it's a beautiful perfect plex.
1: Yeah, he calls it exactly the way he delivers it. So you know that's some Babe Ruth talent going yeah. on right there. You know this is a, a guy who will catch his own football pass uh, in a vignette. So we know Mr. Perfect can do what he says he can do.
0: Absolutely. This is also a night where you're seeing a lot of the future of the IC title. So you got mm. Piper, perfect Jacques. Um, I think, uh, I'm, I'm Brett Hart. So a lot of guys that are getting ready to dominate the singles division, uh, the IC division to me. They're there. They are in the, um, own deck circle right now.
1: Sure. Shawn Michaels will last a long time in the main event yeah. as well. So, uh, you know the next few years are kind of mapped out right here as far as the Intercontinental title goes, and that's uh, that's cool in my book. I thought Roddy Piper used uh, a little much uh, kind of before the match with the promo, but uh, this 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 match, his performance in here, I thought was very good as well. And it reminds me of something again we praised him before, Benjamin Button pointing out that uh, Roddy Piper's talents in the ring often go underrated, and uh, that's something I really agree with. You know, he's a puncher, he's a brawler. But I appreciate that style, and I think he can do it very well in the right circumstance, and I thought he was looking good here as well.
0: Yeah, and you get the double count out with Piper and Rude, and that can be like a cheap thing. But at the same time, these guys know what their feud is about. Their feud has nothing to do with who's necessarily going to win a matchup. They are both kind of macho, stubborn, underneath the surface – uh, they've said a lot of things that they cannot take back about each other. So every time they see each other, they're going to respond the exact same way.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I have nothing against a count-out or a disqualification if you can sell me on that. And this completely sold me, so I had no yes. problem with it, You know, unlike some of the uh, egregious examples we saw earlier in the show.
0: I agree 100%. It does end the way that we said, though. It's, it's Mr. Perfect with the perfect plex getting the victory. And again, we go to the back for a celebration uh, from the Hills who just won that match at Rude, the Rougeos, Jimmy Hart, and Mr. Perfect.
1: Absolutely. And once again, Sean Mooney is there to ask the uh, Okerlund-style questions. But uh, Rick Rude tells him it's none of his business why Bobby Heenan wasn't out there. Uh, he says they had the perfect combination to get the win. And I got to say, it always warms my heart a bit to see Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude together. Because we know uh, such close friends they were. I think even grew up together, possibly if I'm remembering right. And, uh, man, they just look very happy together here. And they don't get to do a lot of work together at this point in their career. But uh, you love to see it because, clearly, they're having a great time being uh, teamed up here.
0: Yeah, that was good to see. Minnesota, uh, that relationship, they'll be together once in a while in wrestling. And, again, you know, it's another celebration. It's another moment and they deserved it It it's the perfect comeback uh it's a it's a coming out party really for mr perfect is what that matchup is so
1: yeah it's been a surprisingly long time coming because uh in my mind even having watched this before it's like mr perfect just sort of like walked into being fully formed but that's not really true they took a while to really kind of figure out who he was going to be and uh how big he was going to be and i'm glad that they're really getting there now.
0: absolutely uh, Gene Okerlund is with the Ultimate Warriors, so I like that the Warrior tries to interact with his partners. Like that's more than I've ever seen. But that's going to lead later to really just him like launching everybody. Like every time someone goes up the top, he just has to have like push them off and uh, like yeah they they they've done this before, you know? <laughs> they, they know how to jump off the top rope, sir. <laughs>
1: I mean, uh, it's very on brand for Warrior though. Yeah, he strokes Nightheart's beard for him. Oh, that was interesting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He's he's all over the place. And then it's always to the point that his back's to the camera half the time in his career. I think I don't know if he knows to look at the camera.
1: That was so strange. He, like, screams a promo away from the camera mostly. And, like, I guess it's an aesthetic choice, but it's just very strange to me. So I don't know. He just looks so frightening. Like, the way his body tenses and bulges and moves, it freaks me out. So I I don't know what to say about that.
2: I
0: kind of think he should have just been doing uh, doing the role of Zeus during this Hogan angle, and then you can move to Hogan and Dusty at WrestleMania VI. Uh,
1: It would have been about the same, so yeah, you're probably about right there.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't have been any better, but it would have at least, like, got us through Warrior, you know, so.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: Bobby Heaton is in the building, whether you know it or not. Uh, this is going to be Andre the Giant, Haku, and the Brain Busters on paper taking on Warrior, Jim Ninehardt, and The Rockers.
1: But as we go to the ring, we see Tully Blanchard is nowhere to be found. We know uh, backstage he was fired for testing uh, something, some drug test, tested for cocaine. Guess what? He wasn't the only one doing cocaine, <laughs> but, you know, it's all right, because uh, he got caught, and he'll basically never work again um, in any meaningful way until now, weirdly, until, like, 2019. So. Oh. Uh he still has a match to air so they can't just say that he's fired. He's got to wrestle the brain, the uh, the rockers one more time at the next Saturday night's main event. But um but yeah, so uh weird situation. I am never opposed seeing Bobby Heenan in the ring and uh I got to say if I've made it clear, there are some things that I really really love about this match, but uh you know, you got to wonder what would it have looked like if it had been the original incarnation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they do some really cool storytelling with Bobby Heenan that we'll get into. It causes a lot of friction in the announce booth, even in the in, amongst members of the team. But it's it's hard to look at because you know, not number one, Tully Blanchard is gone, and number two, it can't be long for one Arn Anderson as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, I'll say, <laughs> I get the feeling this match soured you immediately because uh, it pretty much starts. Like, everyone starts fighting before the Warrior comes out. Warrior runs down, he knocks Andre over the top, and he gets counted out, Um, which I'm sure is just uh, a recognition of the fact that Andre was in really terrible shape at this time. Probably couldn't have done a lot more than that. But even so, it's a surprising moment. Maybe it doesn't get the reaction it should. It is kind of a bummer for uh, folks like us who love to see Andre even in a weakened state um so yeah that's uh that's how the match starts and I, I feel like it didn't sit that well with you am i right well
0: i don't know if i really cared that much it just didn't do much like i i wrote down like andre all this time andre's been afraid of a snake and really he should have just been afraid of the ultimate warrior because he got his ass whooped you know he's <laughs> he's on the outside being mad which is like a great andre thing like when he used to get mad i, I would almost have to leave the screen because it scared me so much now it's just he's out there kind of doing it and it's not getting a tremendous uh, response, and it's also like nobody's holding him back or anything. He's just mad and walking away, so like, okay. And then I the stuff I like later in the match, like I just said with the Bobby Heenan stuff, but okay. just on paper, if you are the ultimate warrior and you're on your way to becoming world champion and you have your whole team, and on the other side of the ring for the entirety of the match is Haku, Arn Anderson, and Bobby Heenan— Like, I don't know what the trouble necessarily is going to be here. (laughs) That's
1: fair, yeah. Uh, Once Andre's out, nobody's maybe uh, a direct threat to the Ultimate Warrior. But I got to say, what I really appreciate this match, I actually really love this match, I have to say that, um, despite maybe uh, some flaws in it, is that Arn Anderson in particular, but all the heels, like, they show such great, desperation but also strategy like all through this match i look at arn anderson i look at the way he moves i look at the look on his face and i'm reminded like if i am uh trying to accomplish something very difficult i'm really trying like you're not talking about it you're not doing anything everything is just like focused on i've got to dig in i've got to like not make even one mistake here and it's a real master class in getting that forward here. So if you want to ask what's the trouble, maybe the trouble is Arn Anderson is focused here like he almost never is, and you know how dangerous that can be.
0: Yeah, it is beautiful. Like it is it really ends the night of an entire theme of heroic (laughs) heels.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And so Arn I everything Ms. Fan said is correct. Like Arn and Bobby Heenan are having problems at times Heenan doesn't want to be in the ring. And all Arn does is double down, triple down, quadruple down on this is my reality. I'm in this match. Tully Blanchard is gone. Bobby Heenan won't tag in. But I still got work to do.
1: Oh, yeah. Like the grit of Arn Anderson in this match. You know, I, he probably practiced for this with Ric Flair, you know, like helping him get home after he was drunk and, like, his, <laughs> you know, all the problems he had. This is a guy who, if there's a tough job to do. Like you said, he's just going to double down on that, and he's going to get that job done come hell or high water. And, God, I love Arn Anderson. So just just an amazing, perfect performance in this match by Arn.
0: Absolutely. And then I want to praise Bobby Heenan because, number yes. one, Bobby Heenan is a phenomenal in everything that he does. But this is a guy who is going to wrestle. Yes, he's going to pick his spots, but he's going to get in there. And not only is he going to pin... Marty Gennetti. Yeah. Yes. Right. As Gorilla Monsoon says that, you know, this guy has nothing. I don't even count him as one of the wrestlers. Well, he eliminates one of the wrestlers. Then he goes to the top rope to jump to the floor. And I am feeling like I'm going to fall on the floor. I'm afraid for him. And he takes his time. Second rope, top rope. And then back down to the second rope, back down <laughs> to the mat. He doesn't do any of it. And for me, I don't know what it was, but I loved that that non-spot spot.
1: Uh, it was perfect because, yeah, you're looking at Heenan and you're like, is he going to do it? Is he crazy? He's going to kill himself on this. And then he doesn't do it. And it's a great tease. And it's a, it's just it's so great because you could see any wrestler doing that. And you see Heenan do it. And he, like, gets over the fact that, like, a normal person would be crazy to do this. And, like, you yeah. know, he, he doesn't have the guts for it. So, God, yeah, Bobby Heenan is also just wonderful in this match his performance is amazing
0: Yes it it it's worth watching just for Arn just for Bobby Heenan Arn Anderson's also going to put another survivor series spinebuster on Shawn Michaels before he goes out the door so
1: Absolutely yeah great great final uh, statement there for Arn I think this may have been the last thing Arn did in terms of like um real time you know uh, something was taped before that will air later but this may have been arn's last performance and man like a lot of times when people are going out the door or when they have to do a job or anything like they may phone it in you couldn't even blame arn if he did because like Tully gets screwed over arn will get kind of screwed over because like you know uh, they were thinking about keeping the brain busters and they didn't really do it and he's gonna have to go back to the WCW for less pay because Tully's not there and all this stuff that is like not favorable to Arn Anderson and yet he gives like one of the he gives the best performance on the show in this match I'll say that flat out
0: man you think about that too like he does get his pay cut and then Bill Watts is gonna come in another time and he's gonna get his pay cut again yeah like The things that a lot of these guys go through, I don't know how this keeps emerging for today's thing, but some of these people that we are privileged to sit and watch and comment on, the things that they go through in order to make it happen, Arnold Anderson is a class act who is going out the door when he shouldn't have to and still going out uh, with one of the best efforts you could ever watch.
1: Absolutely so, and it'll be doubly heartbreaking when we get to Saturday Night's main event because they kind of tease a possible Brain busters like babyface run in that time and man like as good as they are as heels and they're best as heels. Just the thought of them staying around, switching sides, having matches kind of with all the other teams that they didn't fight yet because uh, of their alignment. Like what a beautiful thing that could have been as well.
0: Yeah, I love Arn as a babyface as well though because yeah he's such a great heel. But man, he's got a lot of like explosive energy that that also fits well with the babyface
2: side.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I I don't really believe this. I remember many years ago when I uh, was thinking maybe less critically, but I remember thinking, hey, what if Arn Anderson fought Hulk Hogan instead of uh, Ultimate Warrior? You know, you, you want to talk about somebody who uh, is like a common man, somebody who can um, be relatable to any wrestler, just like or to any fan due to the way he looks and you know maybe his body type or whatever. You know, it, it never could have happened, but that's something I thought of at one time in my fandom and uh, there's still some appeal to that in my mind
0: yeah i think the biggest thing is arn just never wanted to be like and that's fair course, and i love him course. for it. like arn wanted to be what arn was but like i always go back to when arn and windham were wrestling for that second world title in wcw and i just mm-hmm. always thought there was more that could have been done than was ever done
1: absolutely love that match that whole period arn versus flair in 95 all this stuff i was saying this to somebody uh recently it's how unfair is it that rick flair and rick flair is great he's one of the best of all time but rick flair got to wrestle for like 63 years and arn anderson wrestled for like a little more than 10 and that's cool. so unfair in life so that just tells you something right there
0: yeah our story there's so much sadness to me in Arn, I don't think Arn feels that way. So great, mm-hmm. but as a fan, if I dig deep into Arn's story, I end up depressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's definitely something to that. Uh, at least a feeling of uh, like disappointment for sure.
0: And then he goes out with that injury, and then gets mocked for it. You know, it's just yeah, yeah. it's just not a lot of good things. And then this is going to end with I hate the slop drop. Uh, the military press where you drop him straight down because they always end up falling halfway down the warrior's shoulders and his back and arn anderson lands like on half of his body because of the way that he's dropped but he needs to be splashed so you can watch him adjust from like oh i'm on half my body to now i i flopped onto my whole body now i'm just kind of looking waiting for the warrior to run over to run over me hit the ropes and splash me and it's like Oh, that's just—it is just visually unappealing, and it looks fake, and it looks like like you are just allowing the Ultimate Warrior to do the Ultimate Warrior, and he will do the Ultimate Warrior, and he will splash Arn Anderson, and he will pin Arn Anderson.
1: Yeah, more is the pity. Um, that is a terrible shame. But I, I want to, I want to dissect this match a little further before we get to that moment properly. Um, we have, uh, we haven't praised Haku yet. In this match, I gotta praise him as well because I'm a big fan of Haku. What a dream team! I gotta say, on the heel side of this, because whether you have Heenan or Tully in there, you've got Anderson, you've got Andre, you've got Haku. Like, what an incredible team! Like, he kicks Jim Neidhart's damn head off in this match. So why don't you cackle about that, Jim Neidhart, <laughs> now that your head is blown off your body? He would do. <laughs> he would. Oh my gosh. Um... Bobby Heenan, yeah, like you said, he likes to tag quickly in and out of this match and pick his spots, and, yeah, he's really, it's very strategic because it would make no sense for him to come in and try to fight, like, when the other guy is strong, but to come in and cause damage when the other guy is weak, like he's fighting Shawn Michaels, like you said, he's pinning Marty Jannetty. It's so strategic, and I love that it almost works, and it really only falls apart at the very end here.
0: Yeah, and any time he's on the apron, he's grabbing people and choking them from the outside. So, I'm sorry, you cannot say that he's not pulling his weight in the match.
1: You absolutely can't. I'll just say, I spent a lot of my time in this match kind of like looking towards the heels instead of the faces. But, as far as Warrior matches goes, this is probably one of my favorites. Just because, not really because of Warrior, like I said before, but just because of how well it's worked on the heel side.
0: It's interesting because, two. They're falling apart as a group, and yet they won their other match, and then they are impressive in this match. So I don't know how much falling apart is happening right now.
1: Right, yeah. Like, just with Tully, it would seem, and maybe uh, with Arn and and Heenan a little at the end, they kind of get into it as well. But, uh, oh, man. So Shawn Michaels pins Haku. I love because Arn Anderson is in there attacking Michaels moments later. And, again, it's just you know, he knows, if I don't jump on this moment, if we don't get, like, a two-on-one advantage on Warrior, then there's no way we can win this match. So it's really, really nice moment. Um, oh, God, this is one of the greatest things ever because at one point, Shawn Michaels, Sunset flips Arn Anderson, and Arn Anderson... You, you you could probably see it in your mind. He sells it like only he can. He's like wobbling and he reaches his arm out. And if Tully had been there, you know Tully would have re- would have made that tag. Mm. And they've done this spot a thousand times. And Michaels would have been pinning the non-legal man, and Tully would have come in and stomped on his face. But Heenan is either not prepared or too afraid to tag in at this moment. And Arn goes over with this look on his face, and it's just my God, it's the greatest thing ever. I love this moment. Mm.
0: Yeah, yeah. These are. Arn Anderson dominates the, the small moments. And I like. I think one of the things I'm most impressed with is how much Arn Anderson managed. How he managed to be successful in WWF and not give an inch on what he is.
1: Absolutely. Ugh. Oh, that's. Because everybody, everybody has to give up part of who they are to be in the WWF in this time period. You know, uh, even when Ric Flair comes in. He will not have his suits. He will be wearing yeah. his robe all the time. Um, you know, Dusty Rose wears the polka dots. Harley is the king. No matter how big you are in the NWA, you don't really get to be you completely. Yet Arn Anderson is completely himself, maybe because what he is is so quintessential to just Arn that you can't even change it. Like, he would be Arn even if you did put bells and whistles on him. <laughs> so he's just so great. I love it.
0: Yeah, I don't think he knew or was willing to know anything other than being what he was, and I I respect the hell out of him for that.
1: It's absolutely to his credit. Oh, man. I I can't say enough good stuff about this match. Even on commentary, they're doing a great job here because Arn, yeah, he's so dug in. He's trying to get Heenan in. Heenan uh, doesn't really want to get in half the time. When he does get in, he tags out so fast. This they say in commentary. He tagged Arn so fast he couldn't even catch his breath. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... What a beautiful, perfect way to explain what's going on in this match and why Arn is, like, more and more frustrated, even as he's trying to dig in to actually find a way to win this match.
0: Yeah, and he really needed to catch his breath. Uh, you know, you're in yeah. there, you're you're undermanned, and you're facing the Ultimate warrior. You probably need to catch your breath, but there's just no time for it.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Arn does pin Sean with that beautiful spine muster. I love to see it. Um... So they do get the two-on-one, but Arn Anderson is just beat to hell at this point. He's so tired. He sells it so perfectly. Oh, man. So uh, Arn Anderson is pinned, as you mentioned, Warrior with that uh, military press. Uh, At least he doesn't hurt Arn Anderson this time. So we've got that going on for him. Um, We get down to Warrior and Heenan. And Heenan, he was, like, knocked on the floor. He gets back in the ring. He doesn't see Warrior at first. And uh, he's almost sort of like celebrating. Maybe he thinks they both got counted out or something. Maybe he thinks he won the match. Who knows? But when he sees the warrior and he realizes that it's one-on-one, the look on his face is so beautiful. It's so perfect. Bobby Heenan gave so much to the Ultimate Warrior to make him look good. And uh, we know how that turned out in the end. So it's another black mark in the Warriors column. But, man, is it a white mark? on Bobby Heenan's side, because incredible work here.
0: Yeah, you you can listen to a Bobby Heenan interview if you want to know what Bobby Heenan thought about doing this work during this time.
1: (laughs) I'm guessing he was not a fan.
0: I've Um, never heard anyone, maybe in the history of wrestling, talk as negatively as Bobby Heenan does about the Ultimate Warrior.
1: (laughs) Well, who can blame him? This is a guy who injured him and, uh, you know, um, just was not careful at all with him, despite Heenan is like, What, like, certainly in his 40s, maybe over 50 at this point, um, which is crazy in and of itself. i got to look that up a second. But, yeah, uh, Ultimate Warrior is probably the least considerate person that you could ever have at a time like this. So, uh, let me see. Um, Yeah, 45 years old Bobby Heenan here and just bumping like he was in his 20s. And just working his ass off to make warrior look good and warrior will turn around and say well it's good that he got cancer because i don't like him or something so god knows what the hell is wrong with the ultimate warrior
0: i don't think the warrior ever understood context either like this is a man who is hurt who's a manager giving his body to you so yes you handle him differently than you handle someone else Yeah, for god you know so but god. i don't think that even arrives in his thought process and you know, we in one night we've given uh, Ultimate Warrior what we gave, I think, three years to Hulk Hogan. Like he's gonna defeat the Heenan family and he's gonna run through Andre the Giant. So there's not much left for the Ultimate Warrior after one night except for the challenge for the world title.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. And uh I gotta say, one of the most crowd pleasing things you can do in this whole era is beat up Bobby Heenan. So if yes. that doesn't uh you know, get you over nothing, well
0: Yeah, that is the go to and that's props to Bobby Heenan, too, because like sure. all these other guys, they they have been featured at the top at times, and then they've, they've kind of just been pushed to the side at times. But yet any time – there are certain guys in this company that any time you need something done, that's who you're going to call on.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, we praise Sherry. We praise, Slick, we praise Slick. We praise a lot of people, but nobody in truth is on Bobby Heenan's level when it comes to managing, when it comes to uh, just being the guy, the go-to guy. That if you beat him up, uh, you're going to be super over. You know, the last thing he'll do as an active wrestler, pretty much, is put over Big Boss Man, which helps him get even bigger as a Mm. babyface. So, like, you can't praise Bobby Heenan enough, in my opinion.
0: I agree. You you, got to put him up there at the very top. I'm so excited for that Big Boss Man face run and the more we talk about it. So that is also something still to come to be excited about. <laughs>
1: I am going to try so hard to find this when we get to it, because there is a amazing episode of Wrestling Challenge, where Bobby Yenon for weeks, for months, has been insulting Big Boss Man, has been saying bad things about his mother at every opportunity, making jokes, mocking him. Big Boss Man will come out He will confront Heenan on commentary. He will drag him down to ringside and handcuff him there. And Bobby Heenan will be handcuffed to the guardrail through the entire show as wrestling matches go on, as like he oh walk God. by him and try to figure out like, well, we would help you if we could, but like we, we can't your handcuffed to the railing. It is one of the best episodes of wrestling television I've ever seen. I'm going to try really hard to find it when we get there. Cause it is awesome. And it is so over and it is just one of my favorite things.
0: God, that is so good. This is also the point though, that yes, we've given a lot of praise to WWF. They deserve that praise. But when you have talent, that are so talented. Do you know how much easier is the book? Like Bobby Heenan might be the easiest person in the history of wrestling to book because not only is his character so deep that there's a vast amount of things you can do, but anything that you hand him, he's gonna multiply by a hundred. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. This is a guy who will turn anything into gold, it seems. Like there's hardly anything Bobby Heenan can't get over.
0: I can see him out there right now. God <laughs> Just What What an idea, though. What an idea. Why not do that?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it, It's a spectacular moment, and uh, whew, I really hope I can find it because this is the kind of stuff that WWE like to pull down, and they don't put it on the network because they're jerks and uh, all this stuff. So we're going to try really hard to find it, but uh, it's a wonderful moment, and uh, I can't say enough good things about it.
0: Yeah, we'll get to it in time, but also the way he leaves the WWF, Is just so inspired. Like, you would think that this is a jobber who never meant anything for some of the ways that he allows himself to be booked. But the genius is in how he allows himself to be booked, how he responds to it, how he lies about it, how he comes back from it, how he denies it, how he how he brings it on himself but never learns a lesson. Like, there's so much rich character driven story in Bobby Heenan.
1: Absolutely, and I'm glad you mentioned. Yeah, the way he leaves, because it's perfect. This is a guy who understood how to go out. Like you go, if you're the heel, you go out like kicking and screaming. You go out in some embarrassing way, and Gorilla Monsoon yes. will, will throw him out of the building <laughs> once and for all. And uh, and if it didn't make me sad, I would say it was hilarious. But it's a wonderful, inspired moment as well, and it's something that all wrestlers, I think, should take careful note of. You don't have to kind of like break at the end, and uh, reveal, oh, well, yeah, you should praise me all along, because I did all this great work, you know, you'll never see it out of Bobby Heenan, and it's to his credit. Mm
0: -hmm. I need a standing ovation, because, you know, all the times you were booing me, I was creating opportunities for you to do that, because I really love you, and I was actually serving you. (laughs) Oh, great, thank you for that. Um, Right,
1: just don't say it. It can be true without you saying it, you know, just trust that your legacy will be what it is, so.
0: I will say, if you have a little faith, it could be truer, for not <laughs> saying it.
1: Yeah, you are right about that.
0: Like even I don't even watch wrestling, but man, some of these people like they always got something to say about everything. I'm not talking about Seth Rollins or other people, but I'm just like <laughs> well, trying to think of people, but like I don't watch wrestling and then I just click on the news site and they got something to say about everything. Yeah. Like Maybe because I'm teaching creative writing for the first time, but, man, if you can show, not tell, sometimes yeah, the way you can connect with an audience with showing and not telling will never, ever, 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 ever be trumped by telling and not showing.
1: Yeah, absolutely so.
0: All right. That was uh, Thanksgiving, and you know we are pretty much all but one show out of ending the 1980s now.
1: Yeah, we are. We are. We just have one more Saturday Night's Main Event. It's got some uh, interesting matches on it. We will see the last stand of the Brainbusters as they face the Rockers in a two out of three falls match. Coming back to that one more time. I got to say, they have two matches on Saturday Night's Main Event. You know, which is the one you used to watch when you were a kid? Cause I, know it was really I have fun. no idea. Okay, all right. Maybe it will be this one then. Maybe you'll recognize it. I always thought there was one where Arn gets hurt also. But for the life of me, I can't figure out where that happened. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to check that out anyway. Uh, Dusty Rhodes versus Big Boss Man, we said. (laughs) Ultimate Warrior, one-on-one with Andre the Giant. We'll get one of those matches to see. Uh, Roddy Piper will fight Rick Rude one-on-one. So this is kind of a stacked card here. You got Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Mr. Perfect. There's a lot going on on this card for sure.
0: Feels like a pay-per-view, buddy.
1: Kind of does, yeah, I know, for sure. We're going to pop that big rating, I guess. I uh, can't blame him. So. Probably just going to push in the match the movie again, but we'll, we'll deal with that as it comes.
0: Yeah, no, no time for that.
1: <laughs> Actually, I think based on Hulk, Hulk Hogan is wrestling uh, the genius for some reason, Lanny Poffo, uh, which will tie into his next real feud, so maybe we will get some relief from Zeus as we transition back to an actual wrestling feud for Hulk Hogan.
0: Yeah, and then we'll move to the Royal Rumble. You know, so we're we're about to be on that. Uh, we're about about to be in that season again. It seems like we just left behind Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, but we're about to be in WrestleMania season once more.
1: Absolutely, we are. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about uh, best of the '80s, best of the show so far. We got some ideas for that. That uh, I'm sorry, I need to get back to you on that. I know you sent me some stuff, so we will figure that out as we get closer to it. But um, yeah, we're very close now, in fact. So going to be a lot of good stuff coming up very soon here on WWF, the legacy series.
0: Absolutely. I really appreciate folks listening, following along. I, I do feel like the earth is changing underneath us and we're still trying to catch our bearings as we move into the 1990s, but that's what it's about. These eras, they change so subtly and, you know, you got to really start to pick up on what's happening when, and we're doing our best And we always want to hear from you. You know, what are you picking up on? What are you thinking about as WWF turns from 1989 into 1990?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, if you want to shout us out, uh, I am on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gent. We got many great followers on there who like to uh, talk about the show. Uh, Appreciate y'all out there very much. Had a great conversation with, uh, I think, Amy Stewart earlier this week about some of this stuff, so uh, really appreciate the engagement there. Also, Lords of Pain, uh, nope, that's not it anymore. WrestlingHeadlines.com is our main site. From there you can navigate to uh, www.lopforums.com. Check that out, join the conversation. Some great written material. Our three uh, Musketeers, BK, our Prof, and Benjamin Button, doing amazing commentary uh, in our Legacy Series thread there. You'll love to see it. Also, uh, check out all the other programs on LOP Radio. we got a lot of really great quality stuff there. So I hope you'll take the time to check it out. We're giving you so much content to get you through these crazy times in our world and our country. So take advantage, have fun with us, and uh, forget about your problems for a while. So that's all we've got on WWF the Legacy Series. We'll be back next week. Mystic, take us home.
0: Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch revisit, rewrite.
2: I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature The Undiscovered Creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature Stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just It's cautionary features Keep telling myself Nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared we